Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I care to expand on that. I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by the SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, just Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Give us a five-star review because you love us. I'm joined today with Jack Shields and no other than Joe Duvall, who's sitting right beside me as well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Good to be here with you fine fellas. Good to have you here, Joe. So, yesterday was quite an event for most people in the state, but how are you guys' weeks doing so far? I mean, it's Tuesday. Yesterday, I basically tucked my tail and ran up to my parents' house in Edmond because they have a storm shelter but because obviously an apartment complex isn't conducive to staying safe during a tornado but uh yeah pretty much just chilled up there um drank my vodka sodas now i'm switching it up to vodka and topo chico which is much classier but uh it's fun to uh get drunk and watch storms it's an oklahoma pastime yeah you guys have a drinking game that you like to play for storms the lost ogle one's pretty good one um i i generally just uh I generally just uh, have building anxiety, <laughs> yeah. and then I uh, just kind of just stare at the TV the entire time, so I don't really have a game. Yeah, you do live in Moore, so I mean, that's, yeah. you have reason oh, to yeah. be yeah. apprehensive. It's like, oh God, I'm like checking the National Weather Service every day. It's like, maybe it'll get better, and then progressively, like every six hours, the project- projections get worse. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, this is now a potentially dangerous situation, I think so they called it. Yeah. PDS, like, yeah. They're like, yeah. There's not just a few tornadoes. We're talking like full-on tornado outbreak, and you're like, "Oh my god!" The ones that did come down looked bad, but there really yeah. weren't many. Nothing happened in more. Not until this morning when they. I guess like the through. northwest metro, like Piedmont, like yeah, that was yeah. about it. Like this morning, they had the sirens go off at like four thirty in the morning twice uh, because there's a quick spin up in near Thunderbird. Oh really? Yeah. But the ones in Moore went off because Cleveland County. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What about you? Supposedly they went off in Norman last night around 4 a.m. But yeah, they did. If if a tornado comes after midnight or whatever, I'm I am where I am. You know, yeah. I'm in my bed. <laughs> true. That's true. my safe spot. You know, I'm not gonna run to a Frady hole at 4 a.m. But yesterday it kind of felt like like Oklahoma football was back or something. Like the group chat was blowing up. Everybody was watching <laughs> yes. TV. It was a communal yes. experience in Oklahoma. It was like our, you know, it's like the the third college football program. There's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma weather. 
There you go. Brings us all together 100%. Anything other than weather that... Anything notable from your week so far? Oh, I mean, uh, from this week. Yeah. Oh, the guy from the video on yeah, I-40. I saw it today. Well, it, he DM'd me on Facebook and gave me his own like personal hashtag. Let me find this. Oh, God. I <laughs> um, need to He's a good this. dude. He's, he's a nice guy. Yeah, here we go. Um, this might take a second. Uh, so... Let's talk about let's talk about the video in general. Have you seen the video? Right, so this Joe? is the guy in the back of a truck yes. on I forty. His name's like John Elvino. Slate. John Slate, and he's got the pork rinds, and he's yeah. just hanging out. Might take a nap. Yeah, he's his hashtag. Here it is. It's pork rinds and a nap. We uh, should use this uh, on Twitter yeah. from now on. I should just he's do coined that in it general. himself. It's the official one. Have you guys even had pork rinds? I don't think I've ever had pork. I rinds literally in my life. have oh pork rinds God. over there because I'm on keto and they have no carbs, so I am chowing down mm. on pork rinds nowadays. I had pork. It's rinds like the replacement for chips. Yeah, they're like chips. They're, it's the replacement for chips because it's like crunchy and you can dip them in shit. So I mean, it's it's something like that's you kind eat of how I do when it. you go fishing. I, what's a rind though? Like it's I, uh, like it's the pork skin essentially. Yeah. Like uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they're literally. And then there's the cracklins, which is the skin and the fat, which yeah. is what I got over there. They're literally using every part of the pig. Mm-hmm. This time it's the skin. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Well, and they season it and yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty good. It's pretty. It's, it's super salty, but you know, if it's keto, that's good. Maybe yeah, that, exactly. Maybe our guy in El Reno is a keto guy, and that's what he's that, that, that's, Maybe <laughs> probably is. That's what we'll go with. Yeah, he's a big keto guy. But yeah, he threw the he threw the horns down at the last second while on camera. Wasted no time. And he was polite to the newswoman, which is a very Oklahoma trait as well. So I, I did like that because the horns down. It wasn't like he was running in the background or something. Yeah. He did the interview a nice polite back and forth and just said yes. I would like to communicate a horns down as well. Yeah, yeah. very 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 gentlemanlike of him. Yeah, I liked his accent. I did too. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. I guess that's a Western Metro accent oh, or something right. like that, like uh, like El Reno, Yukon. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, Weatherford, that kind of accent. I always feel like if I start to imitate those accents, it's out of a loving place, but it always comes off like I'm being a jerk. But it, <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. that is an accent I've heard my whole life at ball fields across the state, and there's yeah. a bunch of good yep. dudes that talk like that. That's true. But let's get on into the podcast. We got a, we have a lot of things between Oklahoma softball, basketball. Former Oklahoma football players and straight on into actually Oklahoma football and some Twitter questions. So let's get on to it. So Oklahoma softball, these women have been on a tear for the past, just this, this season, right? Yeah. A complete tear with a massive streak that would rival the 47-game win streak but with Bud Wilkinson. And it was put to an end by the Wisconsin Badgers this past, you know, well, a couple days ago. Yeah. And... Um, they lost that first game two to one, and were you guys nervous? Slightly, yeah, just because Wisconsin's pitching was so good. I mean, one mistake or one error or, or one you know Wisconsin home run could put Oklahoma in trouble in that second game. But fortunately, uh, Giselle Juarez was out mm-hmm. there, and she's just unbeatable. So literally unbeatable. She's never been defeated this year. So that Wisconsin pitcher, man, that she was tough. Yeah, she uh, was. She, I mean, the announcers were saying she's throwing two pitches, fastball, changeup. Um, but the way she's hitting her spots was just incredible. incredible. Yeah. I think she, I was watching, I don't know, I think like four straight innings at some point, and I didn't see her miss a spot once. And then I saw it out of her hand to, it was the game when Oklahoma won the first time. Nicole Mendez, out of her hand, was right down the middle. I said, oh, first mistake. And Nicole, Nicole Mendez hit it about 250 feet, which goes to show you how good OU really is, that if you make that one mistake, yeah, it's over. 
Right. They're gonna yep. they're gonna make you pay for it. But that's how good that Wisconsin pitcher was. I mean, she was just making no mistakes. Because the first game, Senior Ramiro just takes the ball yard. Oh, Senior Ramiro, excuse me. Yeah. For first at bat, right? Yeah. And then yeah, that's, first pitch, I think. That's yeah. the first, That's the only time they scored in that game. And then of course they lose two to one, and they have a narrow one in the second game. We're like, okay, you know, getting getting guys on base. Uh, Shay Knighton is working magic at first base. She had a couple of amazing catches, grabs, and just like tags him out on first. Wisconsin had a first baseman make a nice double play too. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the the first baseman out there. Yeah. It, for me, the whole thing about Shay Knighton, like you know, her family's watching this game, and every time they bring up Shay Knighton, they're not like talking about how awesome she is. They're talking about how you know experienced she is and how good of a player she is. But they're like, yeah, her knees just suck, and you know, <laughs> she just has no lift in them. I'm like. She can you like let she's the Jason go? White of softball. Yeah, <laughs> she did what she could on that web gem though. Like yep. she extended as much as she possibly could. She didn't get very high off the ground because mm-hmm. of her knees, but she, you know, extended like Michael Jordan in Space oh, yeah. Jam. I mean, it was pretty impressive. It, it you made me think of like Jason White. Like that guy finished first in the Heisman, finished third in the Heisman, uh, set every OU record ever, went to back to back national title games. And yet, if you talk to anybody today about Jason White, what's the first thing that's going to come up? His those, knees, those or, knees or the NFL, knees. he didn't get to play because of those championship games. I mean, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, oh, yeah, but wait a minute. The guy's really good. The reason yeah. why we're talking about him is because he's really good. The reason why Shade Knighton is who she is is because she's not only really good, but been really good for a while. Accomplished, yeah. yeah she had a, you know, a game-winning homer in the College World yep. Series championship series against Florida two years Absolutely. ago. Only, right? Yeah. And it's just... Anytime they bring her up, like, yeah, her knees just aren't participating like the way that they, she wants them to. And it's like, can you just like, chill out? Are anybody's knees? I mean, come on. True. Exactly. True. Yeah. True. So just after seeing Oklahoma play Wisconsin, who's seemingly unranked, right, in the called in the called World Series. Yeah, I didn't see a rank. They weren't like a seed or they anything like that. They weren't yeah. a seed. They weren't a high seed. Yeah, because, yeah, they obviously, you know, they were coming to Norman for a regional, so they weren't right. like a top 16 or whatever. But they're, they're pretty solid. So after seeing the Wisconsin go toe-to-toe with Oklahoma in Norman. Do you think the girls still have enough juice to win the national title, but seeing that they're going to play teams that are quite a bit more stout and difficult? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a walk in the park. I mean, Northwestern, this opponent that's coming up, Oklahoma played pretty well against them in two games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So, And I think Seth was telling me that Patty Gasso in a presser was saying that that was the best they played all year, though. So maybe take it with a slight grain of salt, mm-hmm. but... You know, I think they're definitely more than capable of sweeping Northwestern and doing it fairly easily. But uh, beyond that, you get to playing teams like Florida State. Yep. In the uh, ch- they're defending champions, and they beat OU early in the year. Granted, Juarez did not pitch in that game, so we'll see how all of that goes. But I mean, there's more parity in softball than people True. give it credit for, especially when you get to the women's college world series. So I mean. I would say Oklahoma obviously has a better chance than anyone in the field, but it's far from a layup. I, I think they can get it done, but mm-hmm. I, I'd put the chances of them actually doing it at maybe 35%, 40%, something like that. That's fair. To Jack's point about parity, I mean, didn't UMBC have the best pitcher in the country with yeah. tons of no-hitters, yep. and then you know Oklahoma put what? I think that was the, uh, on <laughs> the inspiration of, for that tweet from, I think it was Barstool UMBC yeah. or something like that. Like, sorry if you get no-hit or something like that, and everyone was like, don't That's not that. going to happen against yeah. this team, but uh, yeah, bad idea. The bats came out for that game, but they yeah. couldn't come out for the Wisconsin exactly, game. So it just yeah. it's, where where are the bats mm-hmm. going to be? Because it seems to me this pitching staff um, is going to shut people down, and 
you know, it's about the offense and what kind of runs they put up. If you're putting four or five up a game, you should be pretty good with that pitching staff. Mm-hmm. But if you're in these like two one two zero games, softball with those fences and how hard people throw, it just takes one little touch of the bat to change a whole yep. game. Yep. So you and never know. Uh, I think. I mean, didn't they lose uh, in the regional a couple years ago and end up winning the national yep. title? Yeah, I think mean, it was. They lost a game to who was it? Tulsa. Yeah, it's Tulsa. Yeah. I think it was Tulsa. Yeah, and they ended up coming back and I think winning an extra innings to win that regional. Yeah, they did. And they yeah. ended up going on and winning the national championship that year. So, And just based upon like pure pitching skills and defense and then just a few big bats and made it work. So, I mean, we're a long ways away from the national title, but it's exciting. So they play this Friday, the 24th, at, you know, number 17 team in the nation, Northwestern, at 2 p.m. on ESPN2. If you were to give me a score just based upon what happened in the middle of the season compared to now, how confident are you that OKC, OKC <laughs> OU women's softball wins by more than four? Oh, uh, in each game, I, I'd be fairly confident, above 50-50, I would say. You split it? Or a little more in a split? Mm, no, I'd, I'd go above 50% for sure. Yeah, like 60-70% probably. Right. I don't know enough about Northwestern's pitching, but I mean, the way that Oklahoma played, I mean, if they did that in both games, I'd be shocked. I'd be surprised if they came out and just dominated two games in a row and shut down the Super Regional. Um, I think they can have one game like that, and then they'll probably have to fight and claw to get that second win. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, let's talk about former Oklahoma quarterbacks. First of all, Austin Kendall, guy can't catch a break. West Virginia is adding another transfer quarterback from Bowling Green to the roster. And this guy, I mean, of course, normally in years past, you would say, oh, they'd sit out a year and call it good. Uh, but, well, that's not really the case anymore. Now you have, honestly, like college free agency, which I really don't have a problem with. I it, don't have a problem honest. with like, it at if all. If coaches can go anywhere, why can't the players go anywhere? Unless it's Tate Martell. I, don't, I hate him. <laughs> well, we've seen how that's working out for him so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The reports out of there booed, have not been good. They yeah. booed him at the spring game. And there were people at Miami Spring Game? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess there were like 100 people there booing. There were not many like people there. I would imagine not, no. They, they, if they're playing like an FCS opponent at that stadium, there are like a couple thousand people there. It, it's wild. How many Miami fans even know Tate Martell is at this point, really? It's <laughs> a good question. So the people at that Spring Game were the diehard dozen out yeah, there letting exactly. their voices be heard. But West Virginia, I guess their coach decided after the Spring Game, you know, Ugh, this quarterback situation, not too good. So, added a transfer from Bowling Green. And if you're Austin Kendall, what are you thinking right now? Oh, I mean, it's a little disheartening, obviously. But, I mean, I, I would – I don't know too much about this Bowling Green guy. I would favor Austin Kendall in a battle with this guy, most likely, because I think Austin Kendall's – he's not necessarily great at anything. He His arm strength isn't great, but it's pretty good. His accuracy isn't great, but it's pretty good. Would you say it's better than most? But, yeah. To quote Bob Stoops there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not a vote of confidence there. Right. But at the same time, you would still pick Austin Kendall to win that gig, you would imagine. Is this kid at Bowling Green, what, did he start at all at Bowling He started, put up some pretty good numbers. Okay, well, I don't, I don't have the numbers okay. right in front of me, but I know he started and put up, put up some pretty sweet numbers. Okay, well, Maction's a little different from the Big 12, but True. I do love Maction, though. And I think actually, did he have a, like a receiver named Dietrich or something at I the time? So. Yeah, then I think he ended up transferring to a big time school, and now he's an NFL prospect. Okay, but I, so this is interesting, then. Oh yeah. So Austin Kendall, if I'm not mistaken, 
was Lincoln Riley's first uh, guy he brought That is in. correct. Yes. So he, he comes yep. in, and I think everybody thought uh, it was going to be Shane Bouchelle mm-hmm. coming to OU, yep. and uh, Heupel's out, Riley's in, and one of the first decision, decisions Riley's, Riley makes is he actually offers Dwayne Haskins first, which turns out to be a pretty good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins goes to Ohio State, next offers to Austin Kendall. I mean, that's Lincoln Riley's first guy, and somebody who's seen as this QB whisperer guru mm-hmm. who's produced Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, the first guy he brought in, I'm going to assume has talent. I mean, we've all seen Austin Kendall enough to see he's not Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, no. someone that's going to change the game, but the guy's got arm strength. He's got the typical size. He's got good mobility, too. Yeah. So he's more athletic than people think, for sure. He has sneaky mobility. If he gets that job, I'll put it this way. If he gets that job, he's going to put up big numbers and probably be getting a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah. You think so? At the, at West Virginia. I mean, name a quarterback coming out of West Virginia in the last eight years that hasn't had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm confident in Neil Brown's system. Neil Brown, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he's legit. I mean, he won nine games three years in a row at mm-hmm. Troy. Granted, you, at Troy, you have a decent amount of talent for that level. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a sort of a big uh, destination for a lot of transfers. I mean, in the Will southeast. Sunderland. I mean, yeah, Will Sunderland and a lot of players from like LSU and Auburn and stuff like that. That's been happening for about ten years. So they have decent talent at Troy, but uh, he's had more success than any other coach at Troy. True. So. You know, I think they, as far as, like, the offseason hires are concerned, Neil Brown, good one. Him teaming up with Austin Kendall, good potential there for sure. Granted, the talent around Kendall this year, not quite right, what West right. Virginia is used to. So Is that on Holgerson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. on Holgerson. He got out of Dodge at the right time. Yeah. I mean, he and got to Houston yeah, yeah, where he knew there's probably more doing. talent. Yeah. Yeah. More talent. And, I mean, probably. More talent pool. I mean, honestly, I mean, that, that that's. You would think that's the best job in G5 football, right, Houston? I would agree that I would say a so. Even, even better than UCF. I mean, that's a better job than UCF. Does Boise State even still count as? See, Boise State has a long run of sustained success, but yeah. it's not as easy to recruit to Boise State. Like West Virginia, they rely on transfers and JUCO guys. JUCO guys yearly. There's no in, town in the state in, of West no, Virginia. And Houston is just like they clean up Florida, though. Dana Holgerson did a great did, job going to Florida and getting guys. And I, you know, I, I'm Special not too up to date on West Virginia recruiting. Will Greer's one. I think, where did Tavon Austin come from? Wasn't he another Florida guy? He was a Florida guy, yeah. I believe. So, careful what you wish for with Dana Holgerson going away. Oh, that guy, yeah. I, I remember saying before when he was there, I might give him a lifetime contract. You live with the few five, six, yeah. one years that you're going to yeah. get being in West Virginia. But them at their peak, not only are they challenging the top teams in the Big 12, they're fun to watch. Yeah, oh, they are. Yeah. That is a fun product that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think we the Big Twelve uh, lost part of lost uh, part of their appeal when Dana Holgerson left. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were there was probably a little bit of friction there with Dana Holgerson and the uh, administration at West Virginia. Oh, I definitely. Mean, he, he has his demons. Obviously, that was well documented when he was in Stillwater, and then mm-hmm. well documented when he came to West Virginia for the first time when uh, Bill Stewart was trying to smear him and yep. all that stuff. But uh yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's going to be tough when uh, Houston comes to Oklahoma as well. I mean, it's if Alex Grinch, you know, if that defense sort of fails its audition early and the offensive line isn't imposing its will right off the bat, which you know that's a big question mark. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes a little bit for that offensive line to get rolling sometimes, but uh, a trial by fire, trial by kind fire. Of yeah, I mean, it, it 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 could be interesting. It really could. And I mean, Dana Holgerson, if anyone's gonna 
maybe challenge OU a little bit right off the bat, kind of pull a surprise on him. And he never he never beat OU when he was at West Virginia, so he's going to be motivated as well. Oh so uh, Don't say this. We'll That's, see what, we'll we'll see what so he pulls crazy, out of the hat. Though. I mean, how many close games did he so have many. to never pull it off? There was, was that insane. first one in 2012 in Morgantown. I was That's at that the, one. The, on the Kenny Stills catch. Oh, oh, man. I watched that one in New Orleans. That was a weird deal. but like That was a big game for Shep, too. Oh, well, it was... Uh, Jalen Saunders was, uh, had a big game, too. Jalen Saunders had a big game. Uh, big game for Kenny Stills. Had he had the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. If yes. you're on offense, you had, a, you had a big game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, Damian Williams had his, you know, one of the most underrated running backs in recent OU history, by the way, Damian Absolutely. Williams. He was yep. outstanding. Let's be kind but, uh, of yeah, that was a fun one. And then you had that 2014 game where Alex Ross had that kick return. Yeah. That was a wild one. Then uh, I'm trying to think. There are a few low-scoring ones in Norman. Than there what were. It felt like yeah. everything in Morgantown was 59-58. Everyone in Norman was like 23-20. Yeah, the, the one in, I think, 2013, that was a Trevor Knight one. That was a weird oh, yeah. one. That was a low-scoring yeah. one. When they had that Skyler Howard, they weren't that Well, that he explosive. wasn't very good, yeah. yeah but the, like, that's where they were typically the fact that they games. were producing offensively like that with Skyler Howard at quarterback speaks volumes to Dana Holgerson in the system. Going to miss the skullet. But oh, yeah. the oh, Jimmy you, Buffett hair. Yeah. Hell oh, yeah. you get some. What a purse game for for not fitting in at all in the map. Dana Holgerson and West Virginia fit right in in cult- oh, culture wise. It's going to be interesting to see how the, what changes yeah. now because I I don't know what West Virginia football outside of Dana Holgerson is. You know, I'm not old enough to really remember what that. I remember Pat White and Steve Slayton and those yeah, boys. Rich but, Rodriguez running that offense. Yeah, that was that was fun to watch. So maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe they do get back. Maybe I'm giving Holgie too much credit. Uh, we'll see. What if Austin Kendall loses that job, let's say, either to a quarterback that's already on roster, or let's say this Bowling Green kid, he gets eligible and wins it. What is he going to tell? Like, what's his legacy? What's he going to tell his kids and grandkids growing up? That he was bested by Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. No shame in that, obviously. I sure. mean, that that's one thing right off the bat to tell his grandkids. I mean, he backed up Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. That's that's his legacy right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he. I mean, now though, there might be some added pressure because right. he had that excuse built in. Well, oh, Baker Mayfield. That's well, true. How can yeah. I beat him out? Kyler Murray. How am I going to beat that guy out? Okay. Now the stage is set, Austin. I mean, uh, this is your shot, and it, it reminds me almost of. Uh, you know, a guy who's a senior who hasn't started, who has his one shot. You know, you, you've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. And there are some guys, uh, I think like Jonathan Nelson had a great senior year mm-hmm. who just stick yeah. around. Uh, I think uh, Texas Tech spit out a bunch of quarterbacks for a while that were just oh, yeah. fifth-year senior guys, B.J. Simons and all those guys. Oh, so. Yeah, uh, they had, uh, yeah, uh, Sonny Cumbie as well. Yeah, yep. They had like a, like once Kingsbury left, it was like three or four years in a row where it was a senior at quarterback mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. It was just recycling right there. But, uh, yeah, I remember that. That was that was a weird deal. And then I guess they finally had some continuity when I guess it was Graham Harrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Graham Harrell. Playing. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic. Now with uh, – oh, did he go over to USC? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he joined uh, Clay Helton. He became like the replacement for Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, Harrell? Yeah. Yeah, Graham yeah, Harrell yeah, did. yeah. Yeah. And he was doing well with Seth Luttrell at UNT too, so – Rising star in the coaching ranks. Yeah, for real. Yeah. If Lincoln, if Lincoln were to go anywhere, I would bet on odds Seth Luttrell would get a phone call. As well he should. And this conversation kind of reminds me of what we were talking about a little before we got on here was, what are the OU transfer quarterbacks that have gone on to success? I mean, 
outside of Troy Aikman, right? Uh, since then, I mean, is the closest thing to somebody having a cup of coffee in the NFL Kendall Thompson as a receiver? Yeah, because he went to Utah. Uh, the other one I can think of recently, Drew Allen. He went to Cuse and did like nothing. Yeah, Tommy Grady also went to Utah back in the day. That's right. Where did he? Did Brent Rawls go to La Tech? Is that where he ended up? Did he fall off uh, another truck? Is that what happened? Yep. <laughs> Actually, uh, Tommy Grady ended up playing in the Arena League too. He I think did, for the OKC Yard Dogs. Grady did. Yeah. Uh, I think actually I, I met uh, someone at a party once who who was familiar with Tommy Grady when he was with the Yard Dogs, and he, the guy had a lot of confidence still playing in the Arena League. So I, I think that goes to show you. I mean, even Tommy Grady, who I mean, OU fans might be fifty fifty if they even remember him. That guy till his the end of his playing days, playing for the OKC Yard Dogs, he thought mm-hmm. he had it. He thought he had the best arm in the country. Probably, that, yeah. That kind of shows what you have to do. <laughs> to be successful it's true it's true but let's talk about another former oklahoma quarterback chris robison the guy that infamously uh took many instagram pictures of himself wearing like yellow and pink tinted sunglasses throwing deuces up in the air and you know kind of had a troubled history at ou not really troubled history just like he can never like get things right is that is that what it seems like well i mean he was arrested the night after the spring game. Yeah. It was just like an MIP or like a PI or something like that. Nothing too major. Nothing that any OU football right. player hasn't recovered and, from. And they and were making, on to do yeah, decent things at OU. Gabe Eichert's like on Twitter saying, oh, looks like the after spring game got him. You know, yeah, like, oh. I mean, and, you know, the fact that he couldn't get back in good graces after something like that yeah. tells you there are probably some red flags there. Yeah. And they clearly followed him to FAU. I mean, he was suspended earlier in his career at FAU. And now there's this. You know, we obviously don't have all of the facts of this case, but at the same time, the fact that trouble keeps following him, he's not going to be getting the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, he's clearly those character issues are still flaring up. I'm not going to compare the cases because, like Jack exactly. said, we, we, don't, yeah. we don't know yeah. the yeah. details and we don't know, you know, where all those facts are going to come out. We've seen a few guys where the facts come out and it's not so great. We've seen some guys where the facts come out and it's a different story. Yeah. But so I'm not comparing these two guys with their stories, but just having met them both and been around them, Austin Kendall to me is, not Austin Kendall, excuse me, Chris Robison is a lot like Joe Mixon in the fact that they are, they they always seemed immature for what yes. all was in front of them. And it wasn't like they were bad kids. I get or that. That they were troublemakers. You could talk to like yeah. Joe Mixon or Chris Robison's high school teammates. They all love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could just see it in the way that they interacted and the way they talked at the maturity level just wasn't there for those right. guys. And if you yeah. go to OU, man, I mean, that's like... Under a microscope. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's like being a, a Hollywood actor, yes. working for a Fortune 500 company, all thrown into one. You're a celebrity yeah. and the biggest monster uh, moneymaker in the state. Mm-hmm. And you got all that coming down on you. And if you're not mature, which who of us are at 18, really? Right. Uh, it's going to get you. You know, um, not mature, big big gun on campus. You're like Riley's next actual like quarterback in the system. And, I uh, thought he had a bright future. Oh, I, I thought he was going to be really good. He made some really good throws in that spring game. I, I mean, thought he was going to be incredible. He was at the Atlanta Five Star Challenge with Trevor Lawrence, and he held his own. I mean, yeah. they look vastly different. Trevor, I mean, he looks like he's carved out of uh, marble, but and Chris is kind of a wiry little guy. But arm strength wise, accuracy wise, he was hanging with Trevor Lawrence uh, as a high school recruit. It just um, there's a lot more to playing quarterback than just yeah. being talented. Yeah, of course. I mean, I also really approved of his shit talking to Tate Martell again 
that's something I'll never forget, and I appreciate Chris for that. But I, he's something, he's somebody that I can see bounce into like Division Two, maybe not NAIA or something like that, and resurfacing somewhere else. I don't, I don't think his his playing days are done by any means, but he's just got some baggage. His days in big time college football are probably done. You know, even even though the charges were dropped, he's still yeah. not out of the woods oh, with that God. whole thing. So, yes. you know, we'll we'll see what happens with him, but you know, it's. Definitely some wasted potential there. Well, before we move on to talk about some basketball, some ESPN stuff regarding Oklahoma, here's a break for our sponsors. All right, guys. Chris Crutchfield moves on from Oklahoma basketball, and it seems like that's been the case a lot lately with Long Kruger's assistance as far as like Steve Henson and now Chris Crutchfield as a Arkansas associate head coach for the Razorbacks. That is a loss for Oklahoma. Uh, how big of a loss is it? Pretty enormous. I mean, he's the guy who was instrumental in bringing Buddy Heald to Oklahoma, played a large part along with Lon Kruger in bringing Trey Young to Oklahoma, was the main factor in bringing uh, Harmon to Oklahoma as well. He's an ace recruiter and you know has a pretty good background as a developer as well. Especially so, for Oklahoma. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so this... What does this say about the future of Oklahoma basketball? How long is Lon Kruger thinking that he's going to be staying in Norman? I mean, was it you know one or two years, or is it three or four years? I mean, well, let's play we know the, it's not going to be too long. Yeah, let's but. play the guessing game of years and have it just end up like Gallically. <laughs> <laughs> Old Jimmy G. Well, Lon uh, looked at the looked at the UCLA job, right? I mean, you don't he did you yeah, don't you don't did. look at that job even you know haphazardly if you're not thinking about sticking around for a few more years if you don't have some energy in the tank and it's not like he's that old i mean he's he's in his like mid mid to early 60s i mean he's he's younger than john beeline is and he's not he's not a huggins that where he where he's going to stroke out in the middle of the floor oh no that's true he's very calm that that, that man is zen for sure definitely i mean you might see a kruger on oklahoma sidelines in the next few years but it might not be lon we're not going to talk about that i mean you have Nepotism is Nepotism, bad. Nepotism, but this time in squeaky shoes, basket shooty hoops instead of uh, football. I don't. I don't want to disparage <laughs> anybody. Uh, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've disparaged Mike Stoops pretty well on Twitter, but yeah, uh, who hasn't? Who done, hasn't? But yeah. you know, he's making so much dang money. You feel like it's okay, and I guess this guy is too. But yeah, I mean, for all the heat Mike Stoops got for in the nepotism. I mean, Kevin Kruger just slid right into that job, and yeah, I, who did who did he nowhere. really go out and recruit? Did anybody ever talk about him as a great developer of talent? I mean, that guy just slid in and slid onto a another job, and thanks, Dad. I guess. Yeah, I, no, uh, I yeah. noticed during the games that both him, Lon, and Kevin share a water bottle. Like they don't even change caps; they just like drink after <laughs> one another after like putting their lips on the bottle. And I was like, well, that's weird. And it's a, it's, it's a visual reminder of nepotism for sure. And, and Kevin Kruger, everything I know about him is he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but when, especially when you compare him to Crutchfield as a recruiter, oh, man. I mean, that was the hidden gem for the Oklahoma basketball program under Lon Kruger. I mean, Lon Kruger gets a ton of credit, as he should, for the culture he created there and having everybody buy into the team every single year. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think about the guy he replaced, that's huge. Um but he wasn't getting talent on his own. He was getting talent because Chris Crutchfield was going out and getting him oh, yeah. talent. And Chris Crutchfield is an ace recruiter. He knows basketball. Uh, there are a lot of guys, um, specifically Sam Duran, shout out to him on Twitter. I respect mm-hmm. him a lot, who said, Chris Crutchfield, 
should have been named the head coach in waiting at OU. I mean, that just should have happened. Um, and I don't know if OU got complacent with him and Arkansas came with a bunch of money. I assume that's what happened, but that is a devastating loss to OU, especially when Steve Henson was gone a couple years yep. ago, Lou Hill gone a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, I don't know who the recruiter is on that staff right now. I really don't. The future of Arkansas basketball is pretty bright. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a place yep. where you can yep. win. That's a place where you can draw a lot of fans. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. you can definitely recruit there. I mean, you, uh, you've you seen a lot of high-profile recruits go there over the last you know, 10, 15 years, even though they haven't been that good necessarily. Yeah. They've underachieved a bit, but... You know, Musselman obviously he did a lot at Nevada. You get you bring uh, Chris Crutchfield in. I mean, that's I kind of hope OU gets them in the uh, Big Twelve SEC Challenge in years to come because I just enjoy OU and Arkansas playing each other in sports. But uh, it's you know that's that's a big get for Arkansas. Yeah. Oklahoma just put together this massive, probably their best basketball recruiting class in such a long time, and Crutchfield was instrumental to that. Absolutely. I mean, Harmon, you mentioned earlier, that guy, uh, he's going to be the next great point guard at OU. And uh, he's left-handed, he uh, can play defense, he's long, he can shoot. And uh, that's a guy who's a top 50 player in the country. And, you know, he he grew up an OU fan, but he's not coming to OU without Chris Crutchfield. The first thing he he, he tweeted, I think within minutes of the uh, Chris Crutchfield news coming out of how devastated he was. And by the way, I don't think Harmon's coming to OU if he doesn't watch Trey Young and Buddy Heald have success. Yeah. And Trey Young and Buddy Heald aren't coming to OU if Chris Crutchfield isn't there. Exactly. So, that's true. Um, there's there's a lot uh, that, that's lost there that I, I just don't think you can really quantify in one day. So what's Big hire coming up for sure. I yeah. mean, Lon Kruger. How much longer? How much longer for Lon? Two years. Two years? It should be as long as he wants, yeah, for but, all I've said. Right. But the fans last year seemed to get... I mean, although... As someone who covered basketball a little bit, like fans get restless within the middle of games. Yeah. Like some fans, oh, yeah. some Oklahoma fans, I don't think they're so they're so in tune with football and the minutia of those games and seasons that they can't handle basketball. Yes. that's a big problem with OU basketball fans. That that's been a problem since the Sampson era. I mean, it's how it's always been because you have your twelve games, and it's like so even OU fans, OU football fans, and just hell, just OKC Thunder fans, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you lose one game in football. Uh, maybe not now so much with the playoff, but before, I mean, we were trained as OU fans, one loss is it. I mean, I was uh, 13 years old, and I think I cried when Reggie McNeil beat OU. Yeah, yep. oh, and, too. yeah. And, and uh, basketball, I mean, you're going to have stretches in a season where you're losing three, four games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're a legit contender, that's the case. I mean, absolutely. I mean, even the, the March Madness, if, it, if nothing else, shows you that it doesn't matter how good your talent is, how good you are, it every day, every game, every half is its own um, ecosystem. I mean, within a game, I I remember people railing on Lon Kruger for not using his timeouts enough as teams go on these long runs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe he could use his timeouts more, but to me, it's more reflection of how fans are watching basketball. you got to understand runs are going to happen. If you're watching the Thunder, if you're watching OU, there are going to be times in that game where they're hot, where the team you're rooting for is hot, and you're up 10, 15 early. And you're thinking, well, great, we got the game won. No, you don't. You've just right-tailed early. And it, those numbers are going to come back. The law of averages are going to come back, and Russia so are the other game. teams. Yeah. Exactly. So you just got to be able to handle that, that ebb and flow uh, with basketball. So long way to say, I don't know how fans are going to treat him, um, but he should be able to stay as long as he wants. Yeah. So in what are lawns, because he's been here for a while now, and you got OU out of this, this age of, oh, I, the guy's he's blanking on me. Head coach. 
before Lon. Jeff oh, Capel. Capel, Capel. Yeah. He got them out of the Capel era. And seemingly pretty quick after a couple year period, yeah. they got them back to the tournament. They missed the tournament one year. Ramiro Osby, you know, and took them back to somewhere that it was stable and then got even as far as the Final Four with the Buddy Heald, Isaiah Cousins, all those guys, and Jordan Woodard. Um, what are his strengths as a coach and what are his weaknesses as a coach? Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Okay. What I, I mean, he sort of lets guys be themselves. He lets the offense kind of flow on its own a little bit. At the same time, you kind of, You've seen within these last two years, you sort of need a firm hand at times. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes both ways. It depends on the leadership that the team has as far as uh, personnel is concerned. When you have a Buddy Heald or a, uh, an Isaiah Cousins out there or a uh, Ryan Spangler out there, they kind of serve as yep. that leader by example or Three seniors leader. that have been through a lot. Exactly. Yeah. That Trey Young team never had those guys. Exactly. Uh, Trey Young. Trae Young yeah, exactly. Trey Young and Christian James, I mean, he was sort of supposed to be that guy. He never quite was that guy. And, yeah, I, I, and I like Augusti. Christian James, too. I mean, yeah, and Cam Augusti as well. Yeah, but like, uh, I think, yeah, his strength, I mean, it, it sort of depends on his personnel a lot. If he has the personnel that suits his personality, his coaching style, it can go really well. Mm-hmm. But... As you've seen the last, you know, two or three years, it can go the other direction if he doesn't, you know, provide that firm hand. Have you guys uh, been out to some of those practices? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always say this, and I mean this in a good way, it's like being at a cult. It, I yeah. mean, the I've never seen a basketball practice in my life where every single time some guy goes on the floor, everybody on the team runs over to pick him up, clapping and cheering. Yeah. I mean, and when they're playing defense, no one is... Uh, sagging off, no one's hats their arms down. They're all talking. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's a old fundamental coach's dream. You know, you just you, you're watching guys who are playing for the collective, playing for the team, and playing hard. And you know, I don't know how you can't not like that. Just as a sports fan, and especially as the way it represents your university, which is a little different. Oh, of course, I know. I, this is you know, a lot of people. This school means a lot more than just sports. And uh, you want your team to win, sure, but you want your team to win your way to reflect your values. Um, so his positives all come from that, all from these great um, positive values of, of teamwork and caring about these kids, letting them grow up, um, trusting them. And I think Jack hit the nail on the head. That's That can be his downfall. And there's not much he can do about it, though, because what can you do if that's your strength? I mean, you can't mm-hmm. take that back. Um, the Trey Young year was messy. The Trey Young year was messy, but as Jack said, he didn't have senior leadership on that team. That that was a year when they could have used a Ryan Spangler mm-hmm. or an Isaiah Cousins, and they didn't have one. Um, they had a couple of young guys like Cam Augusti um, and Christian James who saw what they thought was their increased opportunity coming fall back, and yep. um, there was no player leadership there to take over. So that, that, I think, is really key, I think, well said by Jack, is what kind of player leadership forms from, from here on out. And I think that was a big part of these, not these senior grad transfers that – I mean, they didn't really pour in the buckets, per se. I mean, you had Biennemi starting by midway through the season, and he was the one doing a lot of the damage. But you had Calixti and Miles, Miles Reynolds, Reynolds and um, the other name escapes me right now. Oh, goodness. Are you talking about... Uh, I'm blanking, too. I'm blanking, too. <laughs> All I can think of is Calixti and Reynolds yeah. right now. Yeah. But you have these guys come in, and there's senior leaders, and... They aren't necessarily, you know, bucket getters, but guys to really teach these young bloods the ropes, especially with Biennemi coming in as hot as a freshman. You don't think he's going to contribute. The next thing you know, he's 
you know, putting up all these assists. He was and a playing fantastic tough defense. Guy for well, Isaiah Cousins out yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Amazing. You so think? Agree with that. Do you think he'll move off the ball next year? Probably as a starter. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. Um, I, I think, I think he can play point guard, and mm-hmm. I think um, actually that's where his highest potential is at point guard. If he can find a way to hone that. I, yeah. Actually, last year he he played like an upperclassman, so yeah. I really don't. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just one point guard on the yeah. field or on the court at all times. I mean, you saw that Illinois team that uh, nearly went undefeated and ran the table. They had three point guards on the field yeah, well, hell. at one time. I mean, you could you could potentially have some cohesion with two guys. Cousins who, and Woodard did the yeah, exact exactly. same thing. Yeah, it was yeah. essentially like that. Because under those guys, they had three ball handlers on the yeah. floor with Woodard, They could, you know, sort of take turns bringing the ball up the court and all that kind of stuff. I mean, those are two guys who are equipped to do that kind of thing, so... It'll be interesting to yeah. see how that dynamic works, but and Bienemy's just so long and athletic, yes. and he's so under control too. I yes. mean, he, he's so he seems mature beyond his years. He's he's someone who I would be comfortable running the point for the rest of his years. But of course, Harmon is coming in, so yeah. I, I think uh, I think point guard and one two three four five those are relics of the past. Yes, man. those are things that yes. that keep people like us being able to understand and talk about it positionless basketball but exactly that's what it is and you know it's a cliche now but it's true i mean what you you watch the nba and you got mark gasol shooting threes <laughs> you got Giannis being a seven foot point guard Kawhi leonard i don't even know what position you call it that he plays other than just uh yes offensive assassin yeah. and i'll guard your best player ben simmons i mean he's a point guard at 610 611 so i mean yeah it, it kind of Goes everywhere. Exactly. And Brooke Lopez went from not shooting threes at all in the beginning of his career. Now he's one of the best three point shooters yeah. in basketball. He's like 40% a clip by the corners. It's unbelievable. This is a whole new game, man. And uh, I, I think Bianami is a great, 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 not only athlete for that new world because of his length and uh, his skills, but like you, you all have said, his composure and maturity. It's uh, I'm excited to see what, what he does with Harmon. Yeah. Very good defender, too. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Absolutely. And I'm glad that. Oh, you got back to defending at a high level this past year. It was it was nice. At to least see at them. points, yeah. it was nice to see them give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean when Trey Young shoots, you know, thirty five yeah. feet, you know, with five seconds into the shot clock, it's easy for me to see someone running back down on defense and not being super jacked about it. And we've all seen how great Trey Young is, and it's no slight to him, but there is something to be said of like how offense and defense kind of work off each other yeah. like that. And we've seen that with OU football too. And uh, you ever watched a guy make a basket in basketball? And you know what he always does? He's the first one back down the court to play yeah. defense. Got that adrenaline rush, dead sprint, he's heading back. As long as he's not Kendrick Perkins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you, have a, if you had an offensive team full of guys that don't feel like they're involved and they're just waiting for their Trey Young to shoot, then it's, they're not going to be that It's like playing pickup play at defense. the Y. Yeah. There's one guy that thinks he's Kobe. He's mm-hmm. going to take 30-foot jump shot. Totally brick it sometimes. In, in the second half of the year, Trey did do a lot of bricking, and the guys started doubling him. He kept on shooting anyways. And you have jealous guys uh, that aren't getting their own, even touching the ball on a possession, just Trey Young run up and shoot. I mean, it it filters into the defense that like they don't want to play for this guy. They want to play with this guy on the court. It's human nature. What are you going to do with the huff if you know you're playing on a team with a guy who shoots a thirty footer and misses? You're going to hang your head. You're going to yeah. you're going to start Stop cussing him out in your head. Yeah. You're going to turn around and jog back. You're not going to care that much about playing defense if you know you're not going to be that it's involved true. in offense. Yeah, well, let's talk about some ESPN things I saw. I thought it was pretty interesting. ESPN rated Oklahoma versus Houston and Norman as the ninth best non-conference game in the country for this coming season. What's that say about this matchup? Really, does it say does that say about anything as 
far as Oklahoma is concerned? Or does that say more about Houston or yes? I think it says a little bit about both. I mean, the fact that you have a new defensive coordinator coming in for Oklahoma, if if he doesn't rub off on this defense right off the bat and if Holgerson has his offensive unit clicking, it Yikes. could be a really interesting game, Oh yeah, unfortunately. And how much of this is the ghosts of um, Greg Ward and Ed Oliver? Oh, God, uh, of I course, keep, that too, yeah. I keep on thinking of Ed Oliver, I was, like nightmares. Oh, man, that, I have nightmares about that game too. Especially I was at that game in Houston. and like offensive line. It was, you, God, that I can't keep forgetting about how Houston's fans for that game were legit, and they were hostile as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of the most hostile environments I've ever been in, for real. I mean, it, it, I was expecting maybe a 50-50 crowd Mm-mm. for OU fans in Houston. Mm-mm. Nope. Probably 70-30, being generous there. Yeah. And it... Tom Herman you, had you them drinking the Kool-Aid. Of course. And, I mean, you know, that wasn't a fan base that had really been there before. Yeah, it's true. So Not in a while, at least. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Not since, like, Andre Ward. or But, like, uh, or Andre, was it Andre Ward? Ward? Guy who, guy who used where? to be, Andre where? Ware. Where? Yeah, where? Where? Andre Heisman Ware. Trophy. Like, yeah, exactly, Heisman Trophy. But, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things about that game that stick in my mind. Dakota Austin. Oh, my gosh. Don't, don't. Parrish don't. Cobb getting his first opportunity. There's a lot of bad memories there. But I'll like, never forget uh, that. Deco- I have that Dakota Austin. OU never tweet. had the ball, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, no. it, it was wild. I mean, it, it's not like Oklahoma was inefficient offensively. Well, they they, started, off, they the started off hot. It was Joe yeah. Mixon. Joe like, Mixon couldn't get tackled. Yeah, yeah, it was Joe Mixon, and it was like, okay, this game's going to be easy. It's Baker doing his thing. I remember gloating after that second OU oh, touchdown. Yeah. To the Houston fans, and then I was like, kind of tucking my head in after that. But like, uh, yeah, that was a weird deal. Kind of a surreal environment and game. Tom Herton, Tom Herman beat the shit out of his team during summer ball and spring ball. And Give Todd Orlando a ton of credit too. They got a lot of to get ready for big that, stops for that against game. that OU offense as well. And I mean, forced a lot of turnovers and stuff like that. Todd Orlando's legit. And, and Bake mentioned it after the game, saying that. He after the caught up at the first series, couple series, you know Joe Mixon wide open. You get a couple massive plays. He just kept on looking for the big play, and Rayshard just checked down and made the game a lot easier. And that was his own fault. Just that game, I remember watching it and just kind of letting it happen to me. Like you don't, you're not really processing the game. You're just like, this is really happening right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it it, it reminded me of like uh, I hate to bring up old memories, but like the Boise State game. It just Ooh. it felt like. Uh, no matter how good OU was doing or how uh, how good they started or how much they were hanging in the game, there was this constant feeling that Houston had it and yeah. that Houston had OU's number. And as the game went on, that feeling got stronger yep. and stronger and stronger. And it was like, oh, no, this team's not going away. And, you know, having Ed Oliver as a five-star in your front to God. bust up OU, I mean, I don't think that game turns out the way it did if they nope. didn't do that. And we all know, you know, Tom Herman sold him on a bag of beans, but... <laughs> If that if he's not there, then then OU wins that game, and I just remember being enormously impressed with Ed Oliver, and oh, I think yeah. the whole world got introduced to him. And that's another thing about that game is everybody was watching. Mm-hmm. That was a, the biggest game of the weekend. It was in an our, eleven a.m. game, and it yeah. was the only good eleven a.m. NRG game of Stadium weekend. Yep. Yeah, and so the whole country saw that happen. So when the whole country a few years later sees OU in Houston again, they think, okay, I'll I'll tune into that yeah. one. That's going to be a good one. It's Sunday night. ABC I saw. It's going to be on ABC. Ooh, that's going to be fun. 
whole world will be watching again. Whole world will be watching, and OU fans will have all of Sun or all of Saturday to just watch yeah. all of the rest of college football as well. So I mean, that'll be that'll be a fun time. Stole it in his Red Bull and offense versus. Alex Grinch's new defense and no yeah. no no work on Monday. That's like a Labor Day. Yeah, or something. it's Labor Day. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a plus, you know, weekend, wider wider aisles at the stadium weekend. as oh, well. Yes. Wider aisles and better cell reception. I guess. Yeah. Definitely. I I I was worried there for a second about you know the pregame situation. What OU fans were going to do? And thank oh, gosh oh, yeah. for Labor Day. You know. Yeah. Thank you, Labor. That's my plug for today. <laughs> Thank your labor movements. I'll never forget Dakota Austin's tweet. I have a screenshot. It's fresh. Just I remember him like going after the wrong dude on one play. Oh, he didn't game. know where the ball was. That was wild. And like I was too small to be a division yeah, one. You can't hide like kids bigger than him. And he tweeted out like before the Houston game that he was gonna have a big season and people were gonna ask how he got blown up so big and where he come from, and then just replaced in the first half. I think they did the, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't like he was some honey badger type who was undersized, but just a you know, freak athlete, and you got to have him out there. He's a playmaker. I think they timed him, and he ran like a 4-8. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, my God, he was bad. So Linebackers ran faster than him. I mean, occasionally you have those misses in recruiting. You just have guys that you project out, and they're not there. But they shouldn't be playing. Yep. Alabama and Clemson do not play those guys. First of all, they're not recruiting those guys. Yeah, they don't get them. But even when they, the guys they do recruit that don't pan out, they don't play. Yeah. And that's a sign. No, no matter. I mean, oh, you had Baker Mayfield, and that was a college football playoff type team. But to they're me, starting to go hot. Dakota Austin. To me, know? that's a stoops. Yeah. That's a stoops thing where they went experience over talent in the beginning of the season. And Parrish Cobb though was the replacement, right? Parrish so, Cobb was the replacement. They and, ended and up settling on Jordan Parker and Makai Quick as well. And yeah, that's Jordan right. Parker. I'm surprised that. Parnell Motley never got a shot there, honestly. I mean, he, not that it necessarily would have gone much better, but True. he was obviously a bit more capable than Dakota Austin. He was more capable than probably uh, Parrish Cobb, I would say. That's I mean, I'm still a Makai Quick guy. I don't. Yeah. I mean, oh, and he was doing well when he was in there. Yeah. Especially, especially that that first half of that Texas game, he's really started to come around. Like, hey, you know, he was he wanted to play defensive back, or he was supposed to, be, to play defensive back. He wanted to play offense and catch yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's starting to come around like, hey, this might work out. And he's, you know, a Fresno kid, really good athlete. And then he goes down with injury. Yeah. Like, well, shit. And I don't think he ever got back. He and did. There's some kids that, you know, you get injured and it's hard to keep your motivation where it was before. True. But He I, did just graduate from Fresno State, so good for him there. Good for him. Yeah. Good for Makai. And I, when he came on campus, there was a lot of buzz about him at receiver. People oh, yeah. were talking about how hard he was to cover at receiver. And, and you, know, you saw some of that video. If you go back and look at that video of him playing receiver as a freshman, Watch his feet. That is oh. special, special yep. feet. He was a special athlete, and he had the size to be, you know, not a special receiver. But you put that size at corner, mm-hmm. now you're working with something. And it There's just seemed like yeah. he was always almost there, and he always almost had it. And the fact that Dakota Austin was getting snaps over him is, makes me so sad. I, I don't know who makes those kinds of decisions, but I mean, I, I don't care how down Mike you are. Stoops. I don't know yeah. how de- care how down you Dakota are, Makai Quick. Like, he should not be on the bench yeah, with Dakota he, Austin. Oh gosh. It's, so unforgivable. Like it makes me sad thinking about that. Number twenty-seven. Yep. Uh, and his uh, his brother. little brother, by yeah. the way, was a lot better recruit. No, you had. Then he him. had his injury situation, yeah. and then they kind and of backed they off. Backed yeah, they off, tra- which they is tried a to find a way. To, like they tried to find a home for him for forever, and yeah. he was committed for the longest time. Which is, I mean, that's that's a bummer because I really think he was going to be better yeah. than Dakota. I thought he was, too. and that could have been the payoff for OU fans for all those Dakota Austin games and but. Lancaster too. ESPN rated early Heisman contenders. Of course, there's a big list, including Alabama's Jerry Judy, and then Tua Tagovailoa, of course. 
Jalen Hurts, of course, is on it because the last two quarterbacks to win it, or the last two people to win it, Oklahoma quarterbacks. Realistically, can Jalen Hurts win the Heisman? And also, they mentioned Sam Ellinger as a candidate as well. Think of the last two seasons for Oklahoma quarterbacks. In 2017, Baker Mayfield had the most efficient season to that time in the history of college football for quarterbacks. After having the most efficient season, after having the most efficient exactly. season. <laughs> then Kyler Murray one-ups that last year. Unbelievable. Are we expecting Jalen Hurts to mimic that? Nah. No, I think he's got See, a it, it took seasons like that for an Oklahoma quarterback who's dealing with the narrative of Big 12 defenses yeah. to sort of overcome that thing and win the Heisman. Jalen's not going to do that. What if he runs the table? That, but okay. See, he can run the table, so the, but I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to quite put up the numbers that's fair. to do that, but I think he's fully capable of running the table against Oklahoma's schedule this year because yep. the schedule is pretty favorable other than going to Stillwater late in the year. That's going to be tough. Luckily, the offensive line should be gelling by that point for Oklahoma's sake. Typically, Joe's after Texas. Yes. After Texas. And beating Bo, we trust. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Uh, so, I thought Jalen Hurts um, watching him at Alabama was a really, really good runner at quarterback and yes. a serviceable passer. Well, he's more agile than I thought he was. And, and he's, he's powerful, he's too. He's strong, too. Yeah. You, you can't tackle him with your arms. And that spring game, uh, he looked poised in the pocket. He mm-hmm. looked comfortable with the offense, which I think is huge. And uh, he looked like somebody who could extend plays and keep his eyes downfield. And those are all things where I kind of had question marks about him. And, you know, it's one game, it's one scrimmage. But right. that answered a lot of my questions. And, you know... You can't expect him to be Kyler Murray. You couldn't have expected Kyler Murray to be Baker Mayfield, and look what happened. I think Jalen Hurts, he, he can't come back down 28 in the second half versus Texas. Fair. I don't think he can do that. Now, I don't think he gets down 28 in the second half versus Texas. Slower though. pace, there you go. Right. Kyler and Baker both, as great as they were and as phenomenal as they were, both of them were kind of front runners. Mm-hmm. When things got tough, they started to look for the big play, press a little too hard, and then make big mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, knock on wood, I don't see Jalen Hurts doing that. You saw him in Alabama ever since he was a freshman. He was a guy who just didn't make mistakes and put them in position to win. So, you know, I think he goes to New York. I really do. I don't think he wins. But I think this is a college football playoff team, and OU fans aren't going to care. I think they're pretty satisfied on their Heismans right now. Yeah, and I think that... Offensive line will be improved by Texas. The run game, I mean, skill position athletes will never be, under Lincoln Riley, skill position athletes will never be not pretty great or elite as they are right now. Uh, You're adding a guy that's cool, calm, and collected, uh, son of a football coach, quarterback. He should probably play linebacker or tight end somewhere, but he's playing quarterback as a powerlifting champion out of San Antonio. Uh, The guy's a dynamic athlete. I mean, I knew he was mobile. I knew... He was a strong runner, but looking at the spring game, I just wanted to see how quick his feet were and if he actually checked down and went through progressions. And the rushing stats obviously were deceiving because, oh, yeah. you know, he's down when he's touched in the rush in right. the uh, spring game. I mean, you know, 75% of those rushes, he's breaking that first oh, half. Definitely. I mean, it's it's no question, no question about it, especially it's that Oklahoma defense. But uh, Just the, the quickness with his feet 
really made me feel pretty comfortable in the checking down when he should check down. A couple of the back shoulder throws probably weren't intended to be back shoulder throws because he threw off his back foot. Definitely not that Trajan Bridges throw. But I mean, he's I think got, that was just he's got the arm strength because he's so freaking big and such a dynamic athlete. And it's like Lincoln Riley's getting a Cam Newton almost that's just not as polished as a passer. But what can I say about Cam Newton today as far as being polished as a passer? And it's not like he's going to throw to Marquise Brown where he's going to put it in a right. bucket. I mean, Austin Stogner... Wow. Looks like a weapon. Yeah. And you're going to have him in Calcaterra, and Calcaterra Lamb. really came on, and Lamb's a big weapon. Uh, I mean, if those freshmen come on, Theo Weiss is a huge weapon. Hazelwood's a huge weapon. is unbelievable. Yeah, he, Hertz doesn't have to be as accurate as two of the most accurate passers we've seen in college football history. He just doesn't if uh, these weapons come on. And like we talked about earlier, part of the Baker Mayfield era included Dakota Austin. So we've come a long way, baby. So I think this is a little different <laughs> roster uh, than what what we've dealt with in the past. Is Sam Ellinger a legitimate Heisman candidate to you guys? Like, all jokes aside about how much he's probably going to get concussed next year and Tom Herman's just going to be like, yeah, no, he's fine. Is oh, he I mean, gender? the media could rally behind him, I think. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a Tebow. I mean, other than the whole uh, the Jesus sanctimonious stuff. part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. But, like, uh, if he somehow does stay healthy, which I don't think he will, not that I'm rooting for an injury, but... <laughs> You know, I, I think he, he's an efficient football player. He really is. Yeah. And he's a good runner. Student body. He's work. not someone who makes mistakes for the most part. Yeah. I, I think he's someone. Well, see, I mean, he. He's made game, game th- ending mistakes. He, well, against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. West Virginia. He did. Yeah, he did. yeah, but I mean, he's, he's not someone who throws a lot of interceptions oh, that's or true. anything that's like true. that. He's not someone who typically makes a ton of mistakes. True. I think, you know, it. If you bring five people to the Heisman ceremony, I think there's a chance he's one of those five. I do. Even if Texas has like a nine and three season. Wow. I think there's a chance. We, you know, I, I still think he's soft, like mentally, but I think his brain is soft after yeah. <laughs> literally mentally yeah. probably not. I think I think his coach is soft as hell. That's true, yeah. I mean Tom Herman, I mean, he seems to be doing a lot of things correctly. But he can't quite get out of his own way as far as uh, his insecurity is concerned. Dumbassery. And I think that in, I think that insecurity comes across to a, a lot of recruits as well. I mean, it, it's Lincoln seems a bit more confident in himself. Yeah. That's the impression that I get. Joe, do you feel the same way? I, I mean, I do at that point. Uh, Lincoln Riley, I mean, he was at the draft and someone said, you know, you're sitting in a kid's little uh, living room and... What's your pitch going to be to them, you know, to come to Oklahoma? And Lincoln Riley said, did you watch this year's draft? <laughs> yeah, did you watch last year's draft? That's the answer to someone confident. He didn't start babbling for five minutes about right. all the same BS you hear after every recruiting visit. He knew what made his play special, and yeah. he was confident in it. And speaking of being special, what makes Sam Ellinger special? I mean, I get he has some tools that are very Blake Bellion. Um <laughs> True. What is the path for him to follow to win a Heisman? It's not Colt McCoy. He can't throw like Colt right. McCoy. No, Colt McCoy's still throwing in the NFL. Sam Ellinger's not going to throw one pass in the NFL other than some sort of trick play. Who, Vince Young? He's no Vince Young athletically. Who's the guy that he follows in their footstep and that's the Heisman? I game? think the way he gets to the Heisman Trophy ceremony is riding Todd Orlando's defense and winning a lot of games under it. I think that's exactly how he does it. And he does, it, he do, he does have some major... Uh, errors, some major turnovers, um, 
not quite Landry Jones esque, but in that right. same kind of no. vein, the worst possible. The situation. worst yeah. was that uh, Oklahoma State game. Yeah, as a freshman, that was that was hilarious. Even as someone who, there are times where I debate. Well, he was concussed. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like there, twice. There are times where I debate as someone who I grew up in Edmond, very neutral territory for Bedlam. Yeah. Most of my classmates, just by luck of the draw, were Oklahoma State people. I'm not ashamed to admit that I hate Oklahoma State more than I hate Texas. I mean, it's true. But, like, uh, when that happened, I was happy. <laughs> it really it really was. That little duck he threw. I think it was Ramon Richardson, right, that he threw it to? Was that sure. who it was? But anyway. The wrong orange. That was hilarious, and it was a... Definitely a uh, very appropriate Texas gaffe as far as what they've done for the last five, ten years. <laughs> sums it up. It definitely sums it up. But uh, I think, I mean, he's someone whose numbers, I mean, he, they're not going to pop off the page, but mm-hmm. I think the standards for finishing in the top five as a quarterback aren't necessarily that high. I think he's got a good story. He's got a good story and all Texas that. Kid. He's people are going to give him the He remembers everybody that's done him he, once. He's now. a bit of a hardo. I mean, yeah. and the media loves that shit. So I mean, ESPN loves it especially. Yeah. So I I you know, Nothing I, I wouldn't be back terribly surprised again. if he finishes I would say top 5. I mean, I, I think cuz I mean, how many years in a row have they had sort of a mandated top five for Heisman. It's been a few years in a row, right? It's been a couple. So, I mean, I I think he could fit that profile. It's possible. Uh, He's not going to beat Oklahoma, but... No. I, he, he, I mean, maybe if they beat Oklahoma or, you know, even if they lose to OU and they're in the Big 12 championship game and still in the playoff hunt or something, then he can get the Ken Dorsey vote or something. Yeah. Like, oh, your team's really good, and you happen to be the quarterback yeah. there, so here's your vote. Yeah. True. I, like I said before, no, tell me one thing that makes him special. I just don't see it. He just loves Texas so much. Speaking of other elites, no, just kidding. Uh, Clemson, Alabama, of course, by ESPN, rated as the contenders for the foreseeable future. I mean, duh. How far off is Oklahoma from that top tier? Steve... As far as defensive recruiting is concerned, you're sort of, well, I'm slipping up here, but you're sort of starting with a clean slate here because, yeah. you know, the 2017, 2018, and 2019 classes, as far as star power, you did okay. You really did. But obviously, you didn't develop them properly for the most part. There are some exceptions there. But, you know, obviously, and also you have Alex Grinch as well, so you have a different system. Many of those players don't fit Alex Grinch's system. So there's a chance that you have two or three years left of recruiting your guys. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think that's what you're up against at this point. Yeah, didn't Grinch say, I mean, one of the first practices he came in and uh, said, uh, if you're complaining about not, if you've ever complained about not getting playing time, then this isn't the place for you to be because yeah. you're going to have a shot to play on defense at Oklahoma this right. year, which is a nice way of, you know, ripping Mike Stoops and the talent he left him. Yeah, um, he's saying the cupboard's bare, so you know I'm going to have to use every ingredient I have to mm-hmm. make supper tonight. And uh, I, I mean Oklahoma for that reason alone is never it can't be in that tier with Alabama and Clemson until yeah. they fix that. I think they're in the next tier, whatever oh, that. Yeah, definitely. It might be the biggest jump between tier one and tier two ever, but mm-hmm. I think it's Alabama and Clemson 
a gigantic gap. And then Oklahoma's in that next tier. Yeah. And they might be in that next tier by themselves. Oh, them in Georgia. Are they with Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, them Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, Probably. Georgia is probably... There's a chance Georgia is closer to that first year than Oklahoma is. Georgia's one and a half, Oklahoma's two. Recruiting, I mean, for Georgia, Kirby Smart's been knocking it out of the park as far as that's concerned. But, I mean, his offense isn't quite as sophisticated as Lincoln Riley's. We also just found out they're kind of cheating a lot, just like everybody else. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean, we can brush that under the rug. It's not a big deal. But it's just, I think as a matter of years, I think it's about two, three years. I mean, of course, like you guys said, Oklahoma... They're in a tier by they're they're in a tier by themselves offensively. Yeah. You cannot match Lincoln Riley's mastery of offense. You cannot match what he's doing. Um, he's two steps ahead of you. I mean, when you're zigging, he's already zagged like four times. Now defense is where the shortcomings are. And it's like you said, you know, the cupboard's bare. It's Alex Grinch coming in and Trey Brown saying, "Oh, we don't want to miss that workout because." You know, Grinch is going to make us do rolls in the sun, and it's like, oh, so Grinch is holding you accountable. What the hell? What the hell is Mike Stoops doing for the past, you know, however many years they were, he was on campus? Like, they're not being held accountable. So it's just he's getting his. They're getting their guys, but they're still going to see a difficult time recruiting. Not necessarily linebackers in in secondary. Now it's getting those big guys up front, like Ed Oliver or big, you know, the Gerald McCoys back and stuff like that. That they that they're probably gonna still have issues. That's an uphill battle. Recruiting. I mean, it, yeah. and that's the issue. I mean, it's it's tough to sell a three hundred and twenty pound defensive tackle on a one hundred play, yeah, Big Twelve situation. I mean, it's Texas has trouble with that. I mean, it's it's just it's a good thing they don't want three hundred twenty pounds. They want them two ninety nine, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now in link in in uh, Alex Grinch's defense, but I mean. Those guys aren't don't quite have the same pedigree as some of the three hundred twenty yeah. pound guys. So maybe you should maybe if you're evaluating defensive recruiting for Oklahoma, perhaps you should take certain rankings for defensive linemen with a grain of salt. Would yeah. you agree with me on that? I think it's fair because they're going to be recruiting guys. I mean, like if you're gonna if you have a Gerald McCoy, you don't give a shit how many pounds he weighs if you have ed oliver you don't care yeah. how short or ed oliver is. was undersized i mean yeah he's, you do granted he care. was a big recruit but you just don't care about it but you know you know you're going to be feasting off these three-star guys that are fringe for the next year and a half or so and see if, if alex grinch's defense turns out to be pretty good and mm-hmm. turns out to transition pretty well you know that you're going to start reeling some of those guys in like todd orlando does mm-hmm. and it's just it honestly might be until Oklahoma switches conferences that they start getting these big time, uh, you know, defensive linemen. That's what I was going to say. How much is this as regional? I mean, Gerald yeah. McCoy went to Southeast High School in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jordan Phillips came from Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Harris, you know, that was a long time ago, but that's still what North Colleen. Texas, you know, yeah. East Texas. Uh, and Texas now is playing a lot different football than they were back when Tommy Harris was there. There, it's hard to get. Uh, defensive linemen out of the state of Texas now. I mean, there are a few that'll be there every year because it's Texas, but, you know, like Ed Oliver, for example, he went to Houston. He's from Houston. I mean, where you are located matters, and the state of Oklahoma, and right now the state of Texas, really, they're not producing great defensive linemen for you to go out there and get, so the Southeast has this advantage, and I Mm -hmm. don't see how it changes for a long time, and uh, I think Lincoln Riley is probably doing the best thing you can and just be as elite as possible at one area of the game and be so good at offense that it doesn't matter. And we've seen that work for defense and offense before. It's hard, but 
you can if if one side of the ball is that elite, it can make up for the other. So let's talk about elite. Talk about elite quarterbacks. Going back to Barry Switzer. Just talking about you know your five best quarterbacks of all time, some from Switzer to. Of course, if you want to mention the John Blake era and Schnellenberger era, if you if you like, big Justin Fuente fan, yeah, big Justin <laughs> Fuente. Uh, you can you know mention some of those guys. But who are you guys' top five quarterbacks since Switzer? Uh, see, I'm. We talked about this before. I, I can't say anybody before Stoops just because I didn't watch him play. And I, I mean, Jack Mildred, I'm sure he ran the wishbone. Great, just yeah, awesome. To but perfection. I have no ability to communicate to you how good he was at it, <laughs> other than just repeating whatever my dad or uncles have said over a bunch of rum. Uh, That's true. So in my lifetime, it's, you know, Baker Mayfield one. Of course. Kyler Murray two. Sam Bradford three. Jason White four. Ooh. Landry Jones five. I'm I'm literally the exact same thing. Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because exa- I was born in 1989. Right. I don't have much frame of reference on Jamel Holloway. You never watched old tape? Oh, I've watched old tape, but I mean, it, it's, 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 it's apples to oranges, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, I, know, I know, And same with Jack Mildren. I mean, Jack Mildren, at the time, when he was, I mean, and that was the Fairbanks era, technically, even yeah, though it was yeah. Barry Switzer's right. offense. He took it over. That was... Uh, I mean, it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's... I would go Baker over Kyler simply because he had three years as a starter at Oklahoma. That's fair. I think the best season individually for a quarterback at Oklahoma last year with Kyler. Oh, definitely. But granted, it was only one year. But it couldn't be duplicated. Only one year. So, and then Bradford, I mean, he was, at the time that he... So Clovis quarterback, he was revolutionary. Yeah. I mean, it was it was incredible. Between him and Joey Hall, they had you know and Keith Nichols, <laughs> yeah, uh, Keith Nichols, who was Keith Nichols, oh, wow. Michigan State, yeah, yeah, yeah he got a hail mary. Yeah, he did, he did. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's he right. beat Mich- uh, Wisconsin with that hail mary. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I forget about that. And Keith Nichols was a big recruit, four star. Oh, he was, yeah, yep. yeah, he was. Um, and then let's see. I mean, yeah, it's. Didn't Keith Nickel wear number six too? Mm-hmm. He, he did. did yeah. yeah, that's correct. And uh, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Man, you you know, could, you could, White at four. I mean, yeah, it's hard to Jason hard White's to argue, argue against Jason White. I yeah, mean, he's sure. he he won the Heisman in 03. He theoretically could have won the Heisman in 04. Even uh, Adrian Peterson got Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, Peterson got hosed. Those two split votes a little yeah. bit, and Matt Leinart was kind of the. Uh, the benefactor of that yeah it exactly just, i mean and he was he was living in that award la and stuff like that i mean he was kind of the golden child and all that shit yeah. but like uh that award season pissed me off because how's adrian peterson gonna get you know that far ahead in the heisman voting and cedric benson wins the doke walker award that made no sense that was back when they just punished freshmen for being freshmen yeah, for no correct, reason yeah and if you remember they were like well can a freshman finish can they win and they were just amazed that he finished second that was the first time a freshman had finished second yeah. in the heisman yeah. voting was that year and, you know, since then we've had Manziel. Yeah, and several yeah. freshmen. Yeah. And now, of course, Cedric Benson was a badass. We he's, should acknowledge he's, he's that. Good. He was he's really good. good. But, but he wasn't like, near uh, as good as Adrian Peterson. Of course not. Of course not. Now, we saw that in the 2004 Red River rivalry. I mean, right. <laughs> uh, Adrian Peterson had like 250 yards or something like that. I mean, he didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. But, like, it was, it was a 12 nothing game, but... 
Peterson was his first carry the from the goal line. He yeah. got housed at ninety nine yards. Yeah. He got so it was someone was dragging on for like a little yeah. kid. It was absurd. to pull him down. One of 50. my favorite Peterson games was that was a wild game. Back yeah. from injury, he came back against Nebraska. Oh man! And he had his uh, his flag I'm jacket, back. His yeah. flag jacket. I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. That was I'm great. Back. I was like, oh my god, love it. That two thousand four game though was notable. I mean, Jason White wasn't able to do anything because Derek Johnson. Yep. Chiefs fan Man, right that guy here. Is so good. Derek Johnson was just dominant in that mm-hmm. game. I mean, Derek Johnson. Of course, I guess, on of course yeah. yeah. It, it was. Uh, that was a twelve nothing game. Keywon Jones is the one who scored the, the decisive touchdown in that Keywon game. Yeah. Ironically enough, but you know we're going to number five here, and you sort of go between Josh Heupel. Mm. And he's the only one on that list to win a yeah, title. It, it, that's true. Yeah. Kind of got the Sam Ellinger award, though. That's true. I That's mean, true. we didn't know at the time because we it was Oklahoma and we were so used to Jack Mildren and Jamel Holloway. We were like, oh, my gosh, they can throw passes? Look, this guy's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. if you look at his stats from 2000. No, he had a, like, he like was, 29 touchdowns, you look 15 at his, interceptions. His first six or seven games, he was great. After that, I know he not got, very efficient I mean, he got at hurt. all. He got hurt, too. He had a he shoulder d- He up. did. He, d- he had shoulders. I mean, Jason White had that in 2003 as well. well I, I, mean, was, I go back and look at old Josh Heupel stuff during 2000, and you look at his passes, and you're like, this is like a wobbly duck in the ducks. air. Yeah. And then, That's then just how he was. He turned I mean, on yeah, Baker was, Mayfield, and it's like zip yeah. right online. It, it, yeah, Incredible. It, it, odd deal. But. That's just the evolution of the spread, and that's the evolution of football in general. Yeah, I mean, he was... I mean, people at the time, probably a little too generous, were comparing him to Joe Montana because <laughs> Joe Montana didn't throw a very strong football. Very not, back not when aerodynamic. He was, yeah, he was not very aerodynamic, yeah. but he was an accurate guy. That's fair. A heady guy. He was a leader leading this spread offense that Mark Mangino. Of course. Mangino I, mean, I mean, of course, there was, uh, you know, it was Joe Montana running the West Coast offense, which was at the time very revolutionary. You don't have to throw it more than five yards down the field. Of yep. course, yeah, exactly. But seriously, yeah. go back and watch Josh Heupel. Watch that Florida State game. Watch anyone from that 2000 season. It's going to shock your mind to yeah. see a quarterback throw a football like yeah. that after the years OU's had recently. True. It is shocking to see what we thought was really strong good, quarterback yeah. play at the time. And not yeah. just yeah, strong quarterback play, but really, really good elite quarterback play. Finished second well, go, in the Heisman. Go to Nate going Hibble. back and looking at those Nate wide Hibble. receivers that uh, Josh Heupel <laughs> had as well, the Ant- one guy Ant- who... Ant- Ant- Savage, baby. Antoine Savage, you know, good. Curtis Sagan, good. Andre but I'm Wolf trying Folk. to think of the guy who, yeah, Andre Wolfolk too, who ended up being a very good cornerback. Yep. But, like, uh, you sort of think about which guys would translate best to uh, this era. Josh Norman. Josh Norman. Josh there Norman, you go. Back. He Josh Norman. Terra, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. He would have been, like, yeah, he would have been, like, kind of the uh, Geno Lewis, yeah. Lee Morris. Oh yeah, type of guy. I mean, he was very athletic. He was recruited as a running, running back. back. Yeah, he was six three, really athletic, really Thick. fast. He played strong as fuck. I mean, yeah, yeah he, he did. Yeah, in a league. Yeah, I, I think Damian Mackey would be good too. Some like somebody he to did, yeah. sit down the slot over the middle. That's a spread it out kind of game. Now, I mean, I mean, he's playing for Mike Leach, so he's still spreading it out. But I think he would translate just as well today as he did back then. Of course, they had Trent Smith too, and that always helped. Oh yeah, Big Trent Smith was very good. Yeah, I mean, how many of those? This is how different Oklahoma's talent is now to back then. I mean, we're talking about a bunch of guys that were good for OU, but. How many of those guys made it in the league? I mean, Josh Norman had 
a cup of coffee with the Chargers. And no, mm, Wolfel got drafted by the Titans in the first round. And, and then first round didn't, didn't pan out didn't at all. Pan out. Yeah. Uh, Josh Heupel got drafted in the sixth round by the Dolphins, which that's right. That, that guy should get fired. Whoever drafted him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Josh Heupel won OU a national title, the only one in my lifetime. But how can you watch that film? Yeah, yeah. be like, there we go. That's Didn't an NFL Trent quarterback. Smith go to the Ravens. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he had a cup of coffee. I think he had training camp and didn't make the roster. Mark yeah. Andrews has already had a better Ravens yeah, title of course, career yeah, than true, he. That's true. And who else? I mean, not really. I mean, like Antoine Savage had a Corey s- Callens didn't do anything. Antoine anything Savage like had a yeah. sweet arena league career. I mean, the the guys that made it in the league off of that national title team are Roy Williams and. Nobody, right? I yeah. don't think anybody else Did from Derek, that team. Derek Strait yeah, didn't I mean, pan out. No. Uh, Kalmus didn't pan no. out. I mean, he and Kalmus was, was a Titans guy too. Yeah. Derek yep. Strait was with the Jets. Yep. Yeah, I mean, no uh, one really. Yep. Wow. And, and a lot of those guys were Oklahoma kids too. I mean, they're, Corey they're, Heineke on the defensive yeah, line. Heineke, yeah. I mean, you you had some guys from the late Blake era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who did better? You know, William Barty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stalker McDougal. McDougal. Well, I think McDougal was uh, he was there for ninety nine, right? Yeah, he was. was. Yeah, that's year. true. Yeah, and Barty too. Yeah, yeah not for. Two, I mean, McDougal would have been those one were of the best Blake players recruits, on the two thousand team. I mean, granted, a lot of those guys on the two thousand team were Blake recruits. Seth Blake could recruit Seth Latrell. Yeah. Latrell, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Roy Williams was a John Blake recruit. Oh, of course, yeah. Kalmus too. Yeah. Oh, so you mean Roy Bob, Williams? Yeah. Bob all Stoops of them won all the won the national title with not even his recruits. Is what you're saying? Let's not let's not <laughs> run with that narrative. Josh Heupel was always the counter to that, and yes, true. now we know how I feel about Josh Heupel. <laughs> I'll give you my five quarterbacks. So I'll go five. I'll go Sam Bradford, and he seems pretty low on my list in comparison to your guys. It's like great won the Heisman has a Heisman moments, especially the flip in the end and oh. near the end zone. He didn't get moment. in the end zone at, in Bedlam. I'm gonna go four Troy Aikman. Uh, oh God, of course. <laughs> did not have a career at OU. But NFL had, OU fans Famer. are going to be mad NFL at NFL Hall of Famer. He's won several Super Bowls. Had a, a hell of a career at UCLA. Of course, yeah. The fact that the two parties don't claim each other, though. Oh, yeah, it's awkward. That's, it's, it's awkward. It's, which is kind of weird, though, because everything I've heard He's about that. He's from Henrietta. Is, He's an Oklahoma kid. It's, and Barry Switzer told him, look, man, I'm going to help you out. Like, I'm going to go with Jamel Holloway, and I'm going to help yeah. you land a place. And he got him to get to UCLA, and I guess just... Troy. I guess, yeah, Troy Aikman didn't accept that deal, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was not just happy. kind he, of a he weird He started deal. that year. He did, he yeah. Lost, I mean, he broke injury. his leg. Like, Warren uh, Sapp broke his leg, right? Yeah. No, it wasn't Warren Sapp. It was, uh, ooh, uh, Brown. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. He, just, he lost his job to injury. And that, yeah. Then my number three guy is the guy that replaced it, Jamel Holloway. He's the only guy on my list that won Oklahoma national title. And... I'm trying to imagine what a Jamel Holloway would have done under Lincoln Riley. Is he still the only freshman to win a national title at quarterback? Mm, true the, freshman. True freshman. Yeah. Well, I mean, help Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, but he wasn't a true freshman, right? Was he redshirt? I or, thought he was true. Well, was he? So he, he was the first since Holloway then. If I'm correct, right? Didn't, didn't, wasn't Trevor Lawrence a true freshman? He was a true freshman. Wow. That's correct. Yeah, never mind. And then, of course, my two and one. Is Until this year, he was the guy. Kyler, and then Kyler, number two, and then Bake, number one, specifically just because we got three years of Bake, and media time with Baker Mayfield's always the funnest in comparison to the kind of closed-offness that Kyler Murray kind of gave off. Would you – I was thinking about this. You know, Kyler Murray didn't give off that cocky presence that I guess Baker Mayfield had, but – 
in his sort of quiet confidence, I sort of got the impression that he was cockier than Baker oh, Mayfield. Yeah. I, I think completely. He's got that baseball player swag. Of course, yeah. there he, you he go. He was a badass. Yeah, baseball players. That's they're full of themselves, but they kind of they carry it that way. It's not always it's, they carry it inside, and it permeates from there. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that can all come out in uglier kind of ways because yeah. you're trying to conceal it, and Baker's just letting it fly. Well, Baker's a baseball player too, though. It's just man, that guy's bravado was on another. Like that. What what was the last quarterback you saw at Oklahoma that had that much bravado and that much? I don't know, Moxie. Rhett Bomar. Rhett Bo- I was thinking Rhett Bomar. <laughs> but, I mean, he he still didn't. He wasn't grabbing his junk and wearing the, yeah. like, uh, the Cobra Kai. If, if you would have given him time, it might have happened. <laughs> true, true. Well, we never saw Brent Rawls either. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Oh, God. there you go, yeah. So, I mean. It's- Jerome Brown, that, that's who broke Troy Aikman's leg. Yeah, a great football player who left this world too early. Very good player. That's the one. I just, I think, I mean, Mayfield, of course, like, he leaves and be like, oh, Kyler Murray, anonymous Big 12 coach, says there's no way that, you know, he's a better passer than Baker Mayfield. There's no way he replicates what it is at any moment. He's he's not a passer. He's just a really great athlete. And then, of course, he goes out and breaks the records again and sets another record. It's just it's impressive. But I'm going to give the edge to Baker because he had three years. Um, he got to see the evolution of Baker Mayfield after the transfer thing. And I was just one Baker is also closer to the national title than Kyler was. Seems like part of your criteria, um, not judging, I think it just seems like how you're evaluating it is like NFL success helps solidify to you that they are good. And so Troy Aikman, boom, NFL Hall of Famer, he makes it on your list. And we've seen Bake in the NFL, and I would say almost with 100% confidence, Baker Mayfield is going to be a good NFL quarterback. Oh, I think he of course, will be. Yeah. I think he will be. I could say with a lot of confidence that Kyler Murray will be. But nowhere near 100. And with Baker right now, I'm sitting at 100. I think it's it's fair. Especially in the AFC North. I mean, like, God, they're going to win 10 games at least this year. Maybe nine. Maybe. uh, With Odell Beckham added to that? Oh, Oh, my gosh. Let's see where Gerald McCoy lands. I mean, he Uh, could land. Cleveland God. as well. I mean, Buccaneers. Anywhere but the Patriots. As yeah, and that was on I think list. the Bucks are going to replace him with Dominic Sue. I mean, it's. Those we'll guys see. are intertwined forever. They are, yeah, for of real. course. Yeah. Oh, 09. Gosh. You guys want to get some Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm amazed that we have some questions. Let it roll. There, there's, there's, a, there's a couple that are football related, and there's a couple that are just like, you know, whatever. We like I the like, whatever. I like the whatever. Yeah, yeah let's so, do it. Yeah, one from Mbugs says. Will Oklahoma have a top ten recruiting recruiting class? I mean, you can you can honestly sit on three, one, two, three. Sure. Yes. Sure. <laughs> barely. You think so? Yeah. Barely. Barely. I think they have enough room. They, they've got a lot of room right now. It, it's just it's going to be specialized by position this year. I think defense. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's defense and offensive. It, line. It's not going to be as good as last year's class. Is oh, what I'll say. How often do you sign that? top three best wide receivers in the country that's true but i mean it was kind of stacked towards offense last year that's granted true. there were some very good defensive uh prospects well uh Cradell as well oh so yeah he was fantastic he's gonna be i think he's an immediate impact guy i think he's gonna see playing time just like a lot of people those that that big offensive class last year became more and more solidified as the year went on as ou and kyler murray were being explosive and i mean theo weiss committed early but then he decommitted yeah um yep. R.J. Henderson committed early, then he decommitted, and he never came back. I don't yeah. think he ended up anywhere. He ended he? up coming back to Oklahoma, but then not coming and back. And then Oklahoma was like, yeah, we're not sure about this one. Yeah. We'll take Hazelwood instead. Yeah, where was know. Hazelwood on OU's radar at this point? I mean, I'm sure he was on OU's radar, but OU yeah. fans. Right, I mean, right. They had sort of given up on that, yeah. It's, it's, a lot's going to come down to 
you know, success ha- in the field. Exactly. And, uh, you know, especially nowadays, everybody's more prisoner of the moment and OU's brand is, is going to, like everybody else's brand it's going to go from year to year you know and like we talked about earlier they don't have alabama and clemson depth so uh, if if they have a tough year this year and a tough year next year then this projection that we think we're on might not be so they need a turnover chain that's it that's what it is <laughs> they need a turnover chain what would that even i don't even talk about it because that's so a wagon wheel kind of like the baseball yeah. team they have a wagon wheel you could just use Buki cool. sledgehammer that they took away from them later on in the year Sledgehammer is cooler than a wagon wheel. I'll say that. I mean, Boise State has Rock a throne. Bomb like wagon wheel. God. <laughs> what, yeah, what would they even do? Would it, would it be... They should ride the horse. They should get to... Oh, they could ride freaking Boomer yeah, and Sooner. Yeah. If you get a turnover, Boomer and Sooner are coming out and you're hopping on. I mean, those roughnecks can do it, so I'm sure. Or you wear... You bring back Top Dog and you wear Top Dog's uh, mascot head. Yeah, see, that would hit me. I think that is a... That is right in the nostalgia feels for a lot of us. But do you think Theo Weiss even knows who Top Dog is? And then you hand no. him that Top Dog head. <laughs> you give I him a Top Dog jersey. I mean, I would love it. And I know a few people. I think that's, that is specially tailored for us uh, in our demographic yeah. covering oh, yes. OU football. Yeah. I was Not born so in 1989. I am the most pro Top Dog oh, individual. Yeah. Here, yeah. See, here we go. Like at this table. Yes. I think we're all very fans. pro Top Dog here, yes. but my grandma bought me a Top Dog, like a little like stuffed animal thing, and I have still had it. And as I was I was moving this past weekend or whatever, and one of my dogs had I apparently thought it was a toy and got to it and ripped one of its eyeballs off, and I was oh man, I was I just melted down. It's like it's like Top Dog is gone. Yeah. in every way, By shape, and form in your dog. life now. Yeah. yeah. See, it, he was, I, I guess he originated with wrestling. I thought it was yeah. Tubbs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Tubbs, I thought. Well, I think yeah. it, was, it was during a the Tubbs thing. era, but it was during a wrestling meet like where it originated. Oh. But, like, we need it. Mascot. I always thought, I thought the story I'd heard, that this is coming, like I said, from drunken dad and uncles. Uh, was That's that, how OU oral history yeah, works. Exactly. Like, it passes down <laughs> from one generation uncles. to the next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that uh, Billy Tubbs, when he came to OU, they were at the cellar of the Big Eight back then, and. Uh, he's somebody said, "Oh, look out! The Sooners they're going to be top dog." And he said something like, "You're damn right, we're going to be top dog." And because the person said it sarcastically, and he kind of adapted yeah. the sarcastic nickname. I like that. I have let, not let, read let, that. Let's roll with that. I have not read that anywhere. Maybe now this will be this podcast will mark the first history of that story being told. True. But yeah, that's what I always heard. Who's a better mascot? The the horse pigs that they have in Boomer and Fucking Sooner. Top dog. Before or, you even or, or, say or, or, it, I'm not going. I'm not going to use top dog. Okay. How about Mex? Mex, ch- the chihuahua. Mex is the, the one you had. Mex, of course. Uh, I mean, I don't it's know. Cute. We don't know where he's buried. Kappa Sig claims that he's buried in Kappa Sig's yard. A lot of them claim that they're buried. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I was Kappa Sig, so I'm partial. But like, yeah, it, some say he's buried at the field. I say we bring back Mex. Yeah, of course, yeah. But, but before I, him, top but, dog. But I mean, I, I, any real dog is fine, I guess. I mean, yeah. who's not going to love a real dog? Of course, yeah. Gold, uh, Tulsa has the Golden Retriever right now. Do they? Who's, yeah, they do. He runs around the field. He gets petted. That's cute as shit. That's, I mean, that's a great mascot. Everyone yeah. loves a Golden Retriever. And then A&M has the, the Collie. collie yeah. eh, not as cool. Georgia's got Ugga. Yeah, Ugga's great. Yeah, yeah. Ugga's a good one. Uh, does Mississippi State have a live one, or are they just the Bulldogs? 
I don't think they have a live one. They just have a bunch of cowbells. I don't That's know. correct. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Very annoying. They're the oh, yeah. Oklahoma State of Mississippi, which is saying something. Yeah, I actually heard once that uh, <laughs> Ole Miss is trying to become the progressive liberal institution in Mississippi. They've, so. oh, yeah. <laughs> they've kind of been embracing that That's for a while. You know, they've got like William Faulkner and John Grisham Holy and shit crap. like that. Like, I mean, they've kind of yes. been the, you know, they kind of hold this like pedestal of the progressive institution or like like within the state of Mississippi. They're, I think their minimum ACT score admission is an 18 and Ole Miss. Like, I mean, it's so low. Like, I mean, it's pretty wild. And then wait till somebody says, okay, so what kind of rebels are you? Is that like a Star Wars reference? What is that about? (laughs) Admiral Ackbar or whatever. They tried to embrace that for a second. Oh, my God. (laughs) That would have been cool, actually. (laughs) I might have a different... I'd have been down with that. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they should have just run with it, but no. They're probably just going to keep the name Rebels, and, you know, obviously they phased out Colonel Reb. They phased out Dixie, I guess. Mm. I mean, doesn't the state flag still have the? the I think so. The I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and they're they're one of the few that still does. I mean, yeah. I think yeah, you know, South Carolina's got the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Palmetto. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. Arkansas, they kind of have it in a diamond formation, Ish, yeah. so it's sort of like it's covered up a little bit. But like, uh, I think yeah, Mississippi essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Georgia, I think, is different now. Yeah, it is. Well. Next question is from Mo. He wants to know our thoughts on Spencer Rattler, and that, and that was about it. Um, so, like, what are your thoughts on Spencer Rattler's talent? Do you think? I mean, obviously, I think all of us believe he'll redshirt this year. But what about the years going forward? Clearly, is, the is, potential to be a. I is guess he going to be like a Heisman caliber guy because oh, this is totally the, this the potential. Is, yeah, this is Lincoln Riley's first, like, not just like quarterback recruit, like big, big time. I bet he recruit. has two years as a starter and then goes to the NFL. I think I think he's he redshirts this year has two years as the guy and because he's getting he's big gone. his yeah. his main knock on him was oh he's so small and yeah. then you look at him and I was like oh holy crap yeah Oklahoma can fix that meat. he that guy oozes talent man yeah. I mean he's just he's he's got it um, as long as he doesn't get in trouble he's got it there I, were people who were sort of nitpicking what he did in the uh, what was it the Under Armour or the Army All American goal whichever one he was playing in. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, forcing a few two things, whatever. He's playing in an all-star game. Who gives a shit? Yeah. So he's, some of the throws he was making on the run and some of the accuracy he was displaying in that game should have sold you immediately. Yep. It, it was incredible. One of the throws he did on the run to Trajan Bridges, I believe, mm-hmm. actually, he was damn near the sideline and threw back across his body two Bridges Perfectly in stride, nearly a touchdown. He has higher upside than anyone other than maybe Kyler Murray, I think, as oh, far God. as an Oklahoma quarterback is concerned. High higher hopes. upside than Baker Mayfield, oh, I think. He said oh, yeah. it. He said it. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm doing I it. I think that's true. I mean, I yeah. don't know how you even argue with that. Uh, yeah, that's not this. I mean, he may never even take a snap at Oklahoma. You know, look what happened to Chris Robinson and a bunch of guys. Yeah. But yeah. I, if, if, a lot of guys know you history if, at quarterback. If he doesn't get in trouble, if he focuses on football, all those ifs, 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 I mean, he's got it. Like I said, I, I think if Jalen Hurts didn't transfer, uh, the Spencer Rattler would be right in that battle. Yeah, I think, I think 100%. I think you would be seeing him taking – he would not redshirt if the Jalen no. Hurts had I agree. come here. And uh, What if Austin Kendall was still there? I still, th- I, still think I still think he has a shot to beat yeah. Austin Kendall, and he reminds he's so much more talented than Austin Kendall, like as far as upside's concerned. Sorry, Austin. They're playing a different game too. It's like yeah. it reminds me of watching you watch Steph Curry 
and you realize that's a different way to play basketball than I've ever seen before. But it doesn't just stop with Steph Curry. All of a sudden, you go to Norman North High School basketball games, and there's this little kid shooting 30-footers as well. And yep. he's making yeah. them. And you realize, oh, no, this is this is the new wave. Trey mm-hmm. Young is to Spencer Rattler um, uh, what Steph Curry is to uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. that, that's Spencer Rattler is kind of – I won't call him Patrick Mahomes, but – Tell me somebody else that looks more like Patrick Mahomes out there in their skill set than, than he does. I will forever take it to my grave that I would pref- I would have, during the 2015 or 16 season, I preferred Pat Mahomes to Baker Mayfield, and I got myself in a lot of hot water. I, I, I got to you ask. You really weren't that wrong, <laughs> if, if wrong at all. I mean, I got I, myself in a lot of hot water on Twitter. <laughs> you, I mean, you shouldn't have. I, I got to ask one question at Big 12 Media Days, and it was to Cliff Kingsbury, and at the time, Baker was at OU and Patrick was at Texas Tech. And I said, so coach, essentially, this worked out for everybody, right? This is all hunky-dory. And he just laughed and said, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, I would have rather had Baker Mayfield still on the team, man. But sure, I guess. <laughs> it's the most Cliff thing. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, I don't think... Cliff Kingsbury is the man, by the way, if you've ever talked to him. He, he's Matthew McConaughey in a nicer suit. Like he, he's outstanding. Get, the guy gets fired from Texas Tech and then lands See, the head job. See, here's the thing: if Alan Bowman doesn't get hurt, he's not fired from yeah, Texas I agree, Tech. I agree. He has a very good year Bowman's last year. So good. God. I mean, he's 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 pretty good. I, I mean, we were walking out of Big Twelve Media Days. I think it was two years ago. Me and uh, Cardick, who's one of our writers, he's Kingsbury's wearing this suit that is just impeccable, as you would imagine. Cardick says something like, oh, that's a really nice suit, Coach Kingsbury. You expect him to go, oh, thank yeah, you. Thanks. He goes, yep, these young bloods think they can hang with me or something <laughs> like that. He sounded like McConaughey. It was incredible. Like, I mean, he's my hero to this day. I mean, he's He doesn't a- have a ring on that finger, right? No, he does not. <laughs> he, he's dating a Holly Saunders, I think, the girl who was... Uh, yeah, commentating the uh, I think the U.S. Open for a few years. The girl from Fox Sports. Yeah, I that's think he's right. dating her right now. I assumed he'd be doing just as well. That's pretty. Probably that's better pretty off good. the field than he's doing on it. Yep. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Look, just like a carbon copy of just an actor. Oh, who's he look like? Uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. There you 100%, go. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, this next one is from most recent events from Matt from the Prairie Report. It says, "Are tornadoes?" Even real, or is it the government and the news collaborating for views and clicks? I guess it's a good question. I think, yeah, they're real. I've I've seen one in person. <laughs> I think we can safely assume they're real. Granted, I think they're slightly embellished to certain degrees in certain instances. Explain, but see, at the same time, people are like, oh, well, the Mike Morgan and all them are overblowing the tornado risk and all that stuff just for views and stuff like that i would rather be safe than sorry yeah if you were living in the state six years ago when all that shit happened true i'm not complaining my favorite part i'm really not the other night was when david payne was like there's no tornado warning on it but i'm gonna issue my own tornado warning on it and then you have damon lane he's like yeah we're gonna go to commercial everything's <laughs> good <laughs> I think we just have information overload at this yeah, point, right? Like back in the day, you, you you put on the news when the sky looked green, and you just yeah. you waited for you know a fuzzy shot of uh, yeah. Reed Timmer or somebody like that. Val, out there. what are you looking at? Exactly, and you need to say, well, I guess it's now they they literally can GPS map these things street by street, and so that feeling of security you get. I mean, you know, pretty early on in the night that okay, these things are going to miss you, and yeah. so you you can kind of let your guard down. And what what they were, I'm not 
at all smart about this stuff, but I'm friends with people that are. There's just so much information and data now that they know when these things, the the environment is right for them. And mm-hmm. just because the environment's right for them doesn't mean they're going to happen, but they're telling you, look, I think they said uh, yesterday the environment hadn't been like that to create all, uh, a bunch of large-scale tornadoes since Long May 3rd, 99. Yeah, 99. So, it, it doesn't, just doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's in, it's you know it's all probabilities. But I would want my meteorologists who have that information to be sharing it. Right. Now, of course, they don't need to be saying you know well, only on News Nine you're going to see the sponsored Doppler Riverwind Casino <laughs> radar. And you got to stay here. I mean that's nonsense. You're not really caring about protecting people. You're, you care about views. But I'll take the information over not having it, especially if you've traveled around and seen other meteorologists True. and other weathermen. True. Holy cow! A lot of them are just just straight up. Mass comm majors, they're not even scientists. I mean, a lot of them are just uh, uh, people who, uh, they got headshots made and they, they might be modeling or acting or something after this. It's like a stepping stone to be like, on TV. Oklahoma, In Oklahoma, that is not the case. You have to be a legitimate scientist, meteorologist to be on TV, which is, people don't realize that like other states, yeah. they're just like actors. Yes. I mean, they put, makeup. They're, they, they put it on a reel, like a sizzle reel, yeah. like uh, the I guarantee. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think um, Gary England has a sizzle reel. I don't no. think uh, Mike Morgan has. A, oh, Mike Morgan might have a sizzle reel, but he, he might with that tie. You, yeah. know, you don't ever know. But I, I, uh, I'll. <laughs> you know, I, I'm from Norman, so I maybe I. I don't know. We, we don't get tornadoes there, so maybe I, I don't know. I. Yes, tornadoes exist is what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah. Long story short, tornadoes are real. Uh, <laughs> you can just ask. I, did, I think a bunch of, I don't think anybody died yesterday, but a bunch of horses did. Oh, that's sad. A bunch sad. of cows, right? Makes so me real sad. Ask those cows if tornadoes are real. Yeah, they'll probably move, but say yes. But that's yes in cow. Yeah, it is. Well, Justin Bush asks, it's a pretty legitimate question. I didn't think about it for a while. So I just haven't come to a right answer yet. What childhood cartoon character... Would you like to have dinner with, and why? And what do you think you'd even talk about? Oh, wow. That's, that's a, a great question. I think it's a great, I mean, it's an amazing question. Would I like to have dinner with? You know, Sideshow Bob seems pretty interesting from The Simpsons. I feel like you could have a conversation with that guy about a lot of things, and he's not going to be too uppity to, I mean, he's obviously like a raving lunatic murderer, so he's yeah. willing to let his hair down and... You know, talk about some real stuff too. But his so. hair, his hair, and is up though, right? Right, exactly. So, I'm. Oh, that's a great question. You you probably get some like some really messed up stuff from Sideshow Bob. I feel like yeah, you I, get to know several people that are in his mind. Yeah, I think you get some really cool stories of Sideshow Bob. Obviously, get some really creepy ones too. I'm just walking in on the middle of this conversation. <laughs> I'm a big Sideshow Bob fan, just as a. What's his face? Who was Frazier? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. There you go. Yeah. Well, the, so. the question we're operating off of is, what childhood cartoon character would you like to have dinner with and why? And then what would you guys probably talk about? Sideshow Bob would be a good one because Sideshow Bob is smart. Very well-educated human being. Childhood character. Let's see. Ooh. I'd like to hang out with Courage the Cowardly Dog. Not bad. Not <laughs> I bad. just feed all my neuroses. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we talk about much. Just I probably just hang out. Well, you and him last night with the storms would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> just a big ball of anxiety. Yeah, quite a, st- a lot of anxiety, screaming. Boy, I've got to think about this. Curse uh, the Cowardly Dog was a trippy show. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of cartoons back in the 90s. Ren and Stimpy was Ren a Stimpy. very... Like, Rocco's I Modern Life. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, Rocco's Modern yeah, Life. Yeah, I don't, I don't so know good. how Ren and Doug. Stimpy was... Animaniacs, all that An- stuff. Animaniacs. Animaniacs was a very good show, but like uh, the best part of Animaniacs was Pinky and the Brain. 
But uh, let's see. Ooh, trying to think. I'm not sure. From character, from childhood, like cartoon character. Yeah, we're I think it was specifically cartoon. Cartoon, yeah. specifically cartoon. Ooh, Dragon Ball Z. I was never a Dragon Ball Z really? guy. No, uh, my sister was super into anime, which meant I was super not. Yeah, but I can. Talk, <laughs> I know about Gundam Wing. Anybody out there who knows anime, oh I can talk to you about that. I stuff remember later. Gundam Wing. Oh my goodness, I don't know what that is. I'm not gonna lie. You're, no, no. you're a lucky human being. Robots. Yeah. In space. I was all brothers, so yeah, it was. It was you know, me Robots and my in space. Two younger brothers. Uh, ooh, definitely no one from Pokemon. <laughs> not Ash Ketchum. He was kind of a bitch. Um, <laughs> he cried a lot. He did. Yeah, he was. He, he was an odd dude. Um, I'm trying to blank here. I've got a. I, I watched the hell out of cartoons as a kid. Simpsons, uh, Show Bob's not a bad one. Um, what about Hank Hill from King of the Oh, Hill? fuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hank Hill seems like the kind of guy where. Yep, dang it, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. That, tell Bobby be a cheerleader under I your bed. I bet you'd have a lot. I bet you have some really interesting story times with Bill Dotrieve. Oh, God. Yeah. Those I, guys I, could all drink us under the table. See, if you yeah, like. exactly. Yeah. I. I if, if you grew up in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, New Mexico, I think Mike Judge actually explained it this way. Hank Hill is every adult authority figure <laughs> growing up in those regions. That you, I mean, every yeah, I mean every single person like that was like, well, I'll tell you what, blah blah blah. Like, I mean, it's true. It's, it's true to a T. I mean, yeah, I love Hank Hill. Uh, God. He's the one. Oh, God. I think I we've all gone over to a friend's house and their dad's Hank Hill. Oh, oh God. My, Hank Hill is a combination of my two grandfathers, actually. Like, my dad's dad kind of sounded like Hank Hill a little bit. Mm-hmm. My mom's dad sort of had Hank Hill's sensibilities a little bit, like, kind of like a prude a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you, you know, both great guys, but I mean, bo- both very Hank Hill. Both have a, I mean, it, it was, a narrow urethra. Uh, <laughs> How about I think Dale's the better one to drink with on that show to oh, hang yeah. out with, right? Oh God, Dale. Oh yeah, Boomhauer. We don't know much about Boomhauer because we couldn't understand ladies, what he man. said. But like, yeah, of course. But like, uh, oh man, yeah, pocket sand. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I will say that King of the Hill is my favorite cartoon growing oh, yeah. up. I rewatched like the entire series on Hulu just like not that long ago. It, it grows on me more looking back. Uh, when you're a kid, it does, you know, like we were talking about, we're used to all those trippy cartoons growing up that yeah. we were just fed with colors and crazy storylines, and then all of a sudden, you kind of introduced to that satire of King of the yeah. Hill. Yeah. When you're a kid, you're like, this is too slow. And when you rewatch it now, you're like, oh, yeah, I see what they were doing. I see all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the part of the podcast where we talk about Game of Thrones. There you go. Joe, do you watch Game of Thrones? Oh, I do. Yeah. How did you guys feel about. The last episode ever of Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay, the last episode of so, not spinoffs. Where each of these plot points ended and all of that stuff. I'm not really upset about that so much. I am upset about how they developed moving up to that point. Each of these last two seasons, obviously they were behind the eight ball a little bit, not having books to draw off of and stuff like that. So they should have at least had 10 episodes each, I think, developing these yeah. plot lines. That's, that finale, that series finale, should have been a season unto itself. Of course. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the, I, I think, and I'll, mostly I agree that the, where the plot points end up is really inconsequential because throughout the show, it doesn't really 
go the way you would want it to go, but that's not the point. It's because it all makes sense and the characters make sense. This made no sense. I mean, Bran the Broken is now the king because... Tyrion Lannister said so, and he said As a so prisoner. Because, because he's the internet, because he, because he has the best story. That's not even true. It's lame. Bran doesn't have the best story. Arya was a shapeshifter and went off for a couple years and killed the Night King. And who? Jon Snow came back to life. I mean, spoiler yeah. alert after spoiler alert. But <laughs> yeah, come on. If you're not up to date at this point, it's your yeah. fault. Yeah, <laughs> Bran is not does not have the best story. That was the re- most ridiculous reasoning possible, and uh, that that bothered me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I saw a tweet that was 100 golden. That it was a picture of Bran, and it said, "When you do absolutely nothing in the group project and get an A, <laughs> yeah, just stare <laughs> off into space for a year, and then they'll make you king." John Snow did all of it and got a D. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> God. And Jon Snow did the whole, my watch is ended, and guess not. Yeah. I mean, th- there was a thread I saw on Twitter, and, and I loved it, and it was just like, what the F was all this about? And just went through scenes throughout yeah. Game of Thrones, and we're pointing out, well, what was this about if this is where it all led? And it just, it was like... He you did know, end up pitting Ghost, though, so... Which I think was a, they re, that was a repurposed shot from like season four or five <laughs> or something that they did. People demanded him pet Ghost, damn it. Yeah, they said that they had the CGI issues, like they didn't have enough money for CGI for that shot. And so they heard all the complaints about it, and so they found an old shot and kind of relit it in post and made it look like it was new for him to pet Ghost. Interesting. That's and this is the same show that had two water bottles in their series finale yeah, and a yeah. Starbucks cup, you know, in the penultimate show. So yeah, that's true. They were all the signs were there that they were rushing to a conclusion. I mean, it was like, oh, let's get four episodes, and the last two will be George R. R. Martin. What do you? And this new to? show with the pilot doesn't sound that appealing. I agree. The one with Naomi Watts. Yeah, she's like some socialite back when the White Walkers are about to come. Like, I, it just that see that aspect of the show. Me personally, that's not as appealing to me. My favorite part of the entire Game of Thrones canon is everyone fucking each other over and all the political stuff. I don't care about White Walkers. I don't care about dragons. It's, I mean, I understand that's a part of the history and how Westeros history developed and all that stuff, but I, I, I think they need to sort of get back to where, what made the show appealing over the first four or five seasons. Sure. Arya West of Westeros would be good. Oh, of course. Yeah, okay. she's yes. being Columbus, apparently. If yeah. that happens, I'll take that. I uh, would be very excited for at that. At least that there's some payoff for all those years um, of her learning how to be a shapeshifter. And yeah. Other than, what did she, she poisoned What's-His-Face. That's the one time she used it. Yep. The guy, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name now, but the Red Wedding yes. guy. Oh, yeah. And she... Uh, she fed like, him her yeah. his sons or He's something. Like, yeah, you like Ooh, these? Yeah. Uh, you like these pines? Yeah. They're great. He's oh. like, where are my where are my freaking sons? He's like, well, you're with them right now. I'm like, what? They're inside of you. Ah, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I wanted more of that last season. What did I mean, Arya didn't? I mean, outside of I guess she, she killed the Night King, but even that they didn't even really she explain even how. Stole the move from the girl yeah. from Star Wars. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was killed the Night kind King. Kind of good, but still, I mean, it was you know whatever. Then rejects then rejects uh, Gendry. And then that's moves, true. Moves yeah. Out. Yeah. yeah, but you know, Gendry's got a decent deal. He's the Lord of Storms. End. Yeah. I mean, he got a decent deal. Out She's of the too whole good thing. for Gendry anyway. Yeah, I'm. Although to Gendry, another thing, Gendry and the lineage of Jon Snow. I feel like the first seven seasons of the show, those are main thematic plot points, mm-hmm. and they just turn out to mean absolutely yeah. nothing. By the way, you are the heir to the throne. 
But just like everything else in Game of Thrones, you're left unsatisfied. And the end. I mean, it, and and like Jack said, it'd be one thing if it all kind of made sense and was drawn out. And they they made these character arcs make sense. Yeah. But it was like they were writing a poster and yeah. they read the first letters too big and like, oh no, and they kind of do the scrunchy thing at the end and yep. they tail off down the side. That's fair. John Mulaney shout out right there. Yep. But oh, did he? Say, is that a? I, I think it was. Yeah, he was. It was a stand up from like. A, I think it was 2015 or whatever. He was like, I bet I know how big letters are. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest stand-up guy of our generation, other than Dave Chappelle, I would say. Both those guys are wonderful. Well, you guys have any plans for the the week and the weekend? Well, tomorrow, Big 12 Baseball Tournament. Be OU playing Baylor. Cade Cavalli starting on the mound. He's been out for a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. the way things look, if OU had swept Texas this past weekend, they were probably close to a shoe into getting in. They win two of three. They probably need to win one one or two this weekend mm-hmm. to get into the NCAA tournament. They had their flashes of brilliance this year, kind of like OU basketball or yep. early in the year. I mean, they had a great non-conference run. So they're playing Baylor game one on Wednesday. If they win that game, pretty good shot of getting in because that's a pretty good Baylor team. But there's always, you know, the chance of a Bedlam rematch. That would happen on Thursday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, most of my days are going to be consisting of OU baseball. After that, I'm working at the disposal well Saturday, Sunday. So not much as far as social life going on, but mostly uh, work-related stuff going on. But... There you go. That's life. The Big 12 Championship in Oklahoma City is always fun. Oh, you know, it is. A bunch of people come in, mm-hmm. and it kind of, sort of it makes you appreciate you know, what we have here in Oklahoma City. And of course. It's a little different than living in Ames or True. Morgantown or something. Uh, but I mean, some real talk here. I've worked that Big 12 baseball tournament before, so to me that's a lot like work going yeah, down there. So I'll watch it on TV uh, if I catch OU on TV. Other than that, I'm going to be happy uh, – Doing my nine to five job and going home to my wife. There you go. That's uh, yeah. that's the life I'm loving right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing really planned for the week. I mean, as a as a school teacher, like school's out Friday for the rest of summer. So school. Yeah, and then, and then Friday you got the you got the game. You got the softball game. So that's true. Yeah, no softball series. So, yep. I mean, that's about it. Into the weekend, into uh, Memorial Day weekend. You guys got any plans for Memorial Day weekend or? Getting covered in salt water from a disposal well. That's about it. My family always has a family reunion where we have, <laughs> oh, like... Sounds terrible. Yeah, and we go to Arkansas. There you go. Uh, where in Arkansas? Uh, Cabot. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I know where Cabot is. Yeah, yeah I-40. Yeah, 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 go to Cabot in Arkansas, and all of, uh, all of my white family gets together, and, like, none of my uh, Iranian family is there, of course. It's just my mom's side of the family, and it's real awkward because I'm the only tan person there. But uh, I just realized yeah. we all have this Arkansas connection. Now. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Woo Pig Suey, baby. That's yeah, so my uncle loves it. <laughs> it sounds like turkeys to me yeah. when you hear it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's this Memorial Day weekend. But I'm not going because I'm going to paint my house instead. I'm Do it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Use it as an excuse. I would take painting my house over a 100 percent family reunion. 100. Yeah. percent yeah. But um, I guess this brings us to the end of the podcast. It's so uh, thank you, Joe, for coming out. Yeah. Also. Gonna, Alan Kenny, yeah. his pod, the second edition of his pod that will be on Crimson and Cream Machine, he's having Max Olsen on to talk Ooh, about the transfer nice. portal. Very nice. 
Good stuff. So let's do. plug that. So stay tuned for that later this week. Yeah, very excited. We're really excited to have Alan Kenny with us too. Of course, yeah. He's smarter than everyone. He's the smartest man in the room, whichever room he's in. He's he's a Medill grad, as a Medill grad. Yeah. <laughs> Smartest man alive, almost. Of course, yeah. Any Medilgrad is the smartest man alive. <laughs> but yeah, follow us on CrimsonCreamMachine.com. Uh, brought to you guys by SB Nation. Follow Jack at Crimson Cream at CC Machine on Twitter or J Larry Shields. Uh, me, call me Robin. Follow me at BoomtownRW. You can follow Joe Duvall at Joe Duvall. My name, there you go. Yeah, it's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Google Podcasts, any, anywhere you can get a podcast, pretty much. Give us a five-star rating because, you know, we like you guys, and we make podcasts, and, you know, you like us back. And when you like us back that much and give us a five-star rating, it makes things easier to find for everybody else. So there's that, and we'll check you guys later. <laughs>